Potterfic Weekly, welcome to the place where the story never ends. And do we have a story for you this week as we end Melinda Leo's Power of Emotion. Wait, what's that? Breaking news? Stand by, folks, for a very shocking announcement from our very own P.S. First time I ever learned what an erection was. Seriously, I remember this very distinctly. Clocks have hands, Ryan. Spoons are for eating. I have cats that I am throwing away. Holy crap, this is so exciting! Previously on Potterfic Weekly. And welcome back to Potterfic Weekly. This is Ryan. I'm Jen. I'm Lady Chi. And I'm Jen's mom. Hi, (laughs) y'all. How's it going? Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. We would never ever say Snape scathed. We would say Snape said scathingly. 640,000 years ago, that third of America blew up. Boys and girls, (laughs) there's a thing called erectile dysfunction. Oh my god. Yeah, but there's also a thing called vitrificus totality. Perfect Weekly, not only entertaining, but educational as well. (laughs) Who wants to see Hermione as a trial lawyer? As a tribal warrior? (laughs) I want to say that... Chief, please, I can't... Don't... You have to say only good things. I will cry if you say something negative about this scene. I love... I'm not going to say... I love how they plan to have sex at six. Yeah, six o'clock. I know. <laughs> My question was, when do they eat dinner? You have to picture he's in the shower, and he's staring down, and he's just like, this is it. <laughs> he's having a little conversation with his friend. Today, I become a man. And then they go, is this happening? And he's like, yes. I don't think he said it like that. Oh, yes, he did. He gasps it I out. Th- I think all of his concentration is elsewhere at the moment. He's like, yes. No, that like completely ruined my mental manly image. He's beating his chest. He's ravaging her. Not, no, he's, he's not. not. Yes. He's a virgin. How many virgins can successfully ravage anybody? He's Harry Potter. Come on. He's a skinny, <laughs> awkward kid who we think has ED. No, no, no. We don't think that. You think that. Do you? own a pig. No, but I do have a goat. Really? We don't have a lawnmower. What's the goat's name? Bernard. Oh my god, I'm not gonna lie. I have to- I have no idea what's going on. Somebody explain to me what just happened. Have you been here the whole time? <laughs> I've been here the whole time, but I can't remember what was just said. <laughs> oh, Vicodin. I love him, oh. and he's good, and we're gonna find out he's good, and, and there Jen. is gold at the end of the rainbow, darn it! So, and everybody just looks at me like I'm retarded, but I laugh, and it's hysterical <laughs> to me. Poor Bernard was struck and killed by a bolt of lightning. <laughs> okay, you guys are the ones who obviously laugh during people's funerals. I wore a really big hat. And I run after my car. <laughs> I've just finished taking a test on what's your seduction style. I have got to take that test. I don't know what that noise was that came out of Gambin's mouth. But I think it caused some women in the audience to become infertile. What happens is as people get older, their eyebrows fall off and they don't come back. Oh, I love the social intercourse so varied. It gets me so excited for the guy I married. This is like the Manhattan Project. The man is Moses. Honestly, don't you people read? Okay. The Superman is not Moses. Moses is dependent on Aaron. See, Batman depends on Robin. If you're going to do that, Moses the guy that was lost in the desert for like 40 years? That does not inspire confidence in crime-fighting ability. There's like auditoriums with movies that you can go in and sit and watch. Not while on the toilet. There's no way we have wank. We don't care enough about the fandom to have wank. Swear to God, Ryan, if you ever, ever, ever make me cover a story with butt sex babies, I will kill you. Jen got pregnant on a boat. You know how hard it would be to impregnate yourself on a boat? Don't take offense to this, guys, but you guys are the most dysfunctional of the people. These are really stupid people. Like, I have a lot to learn from these people. 
And Jen's like, yeah, I like looking at female butts more, too. So what? Women are beautiful. Doesn't make me gay. Sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, come here. I'm so sorry. Come here. <laughs> I just I just kicked my dog in the head. And now, Waterfick Weekly. told by Jen Will it drive Ryan round the bend Part of it weekly Where the story never ends mm-hmm. Welcome back to Part of it weekly This is Ryan I'm Lady Chi I'm Tessa. I'm P.S. <laughs> Mike. And this is Ann Walsh. Which is not her real name. We're not going to tell you what her real name is. Okay, Mike, question for you. Right, I'm going to hit you with yes. my mug. This is. I love this because I'm not covering her fic anymore. So it's like she can't be like, Grr! She can just be, well, she actually can be like Yes, that. I can. Yes, she can. Okay, Mike, <laughs> I have a question. Were you like at the age of six beaten by nuns with rulers in order to just chant your first name without any <laughs> introductory expressions. Now, you know what I think it is? is that I'm making a little hand motion while I do it and you can't see my hand motion. What hand motion is it that you are making? Like a wave. Ah. Uh, I have a question. Is it like your arms are like extended out like Molly Weasley saying, give me a hug? Like, is it like you do the wave No, it's like a half wave? salute, half wave to the podcast. Oh, you're saluting me. Thank you uh, so very, very, very much. Um, I am actually speechless. I don't know where to really go from there. Um, welcome back. Mike has been off the podcast for a little bit. Uh, during the POU series, Mike was signed up, and we're like, oh my god, Mike on a podcast or Harry Sleeps with Hermione. That's going to be the first hour right there. And now Mike is back, and we are going to have a wonderful segment with Mike this evening. Can I just ask why he thought I should go to a doctor when I got stung by the bee? Because you could die if you're allergic to bees. Thank you, Ryan. I've been stung by bees before. Is this like, do people not get stung by bees? How I've, how frequently are you stung by bees, P.S.? I've been stung by a bee like twice in my life. Okay, it's not like a weekly thing. It's not like... I didn't go to a doctor the one time the bee stung me on my scalp. So, <laughs> I went. Uh, we were playing outside, and I remember this really well. My mom was on the phone with my grandma, and you were not supposed to talk to my mom while she was on the phone. Like, that was, like, one of the cardinal rules of my childhood. Like, unless you were dying, like, bleeding profusely, you were not supposed to talk to my mother while she was on the phone. So the bee is in my hair, and I'm screaming bloody murder outside. My mom comes outside. She goes, you had better have a bee in your bonnet or something. And I I have a bee, like, in my my hair. Oh, thank God. To, like, hit it, you know? Like, to hit the bee agitates it, and it stung me on the top of my head. 
Ouch. I, I, I have I to just say this, too. Even yeah. when the bee was inside my mouth. I had a what? bee inside my mouth. For <laughs> I would never stop. What the hell was... The, you know what? Because oh, they tell... No, I was like no. 10, and they tell you, whatever you do, don't move and don't anger the bee, and it won't sting you. So I freeze, and I go absolutely still, and it goes in my mouth. And it's like flying around. I wasn't around moving, and it landed on me and stung me. I was just being <laughs> It was mailed. in your mail. It was no, in- it wasn't. It flew up while I was reading my mail. Well, that's what you get for reading your mail outdoors. Can I just say this? <laughs> I I was saying this to, earlier to these guys. I wanted to have a nice, quiet Potterfic Weekly. I mean, Jen's gotten rabies doing this. I was talking to Tina tonight. Tina was going to be here this evening. But she was organizing every piece of paper she's ever touched in her life. So she had piles of every piece of paper she's ever touched since her birth on her kitchen table. And her daughter, Samantha, came into... Hi, Sam. She's probably listening. Sam came into the kitchen and turned on the light and ceiling fan. So Tina (laughs) is otherwise indisposed this evening. We wish her well. She'll be back with us in the next episode because she wishes to get in on the Melinda tortures Harry Potter but gets the June Cleaver Award discussion. And um, I I just wanted to have a nice, quiet episode. And and I'm like, okay, this is good. Nothing's happened. This is good. A nice, quiet episode. Nice, quiet episode. And then I get the message that P.S. has been sung by a bee. Can we start later? I'm like, that's fine. fine." (laughs) I was sung by a bee when I was about five. To this day, I will not wear flip-flops outdoors. Good for you. (laughs) Mike, do not encourage this behavior. (laughs) Is behavior? Oh, that was awful. He didn't, he didn't. He did not give this much sympathy when something else bad happened. I was like, I've been stung by a bee, and he completely flips out. He's like, No, wince. Should I have to to a just, did you go I, to a doctor? It, for Mike, it's like a cockroach incident. I just have to say that Anne just made the second worst joke in the history of Horrific Weekly, right there with the behavior remark. <laughs> the worst <laughs> joke. What? The so worst just... joke in the history of Parfic Weekly was said by P.S. It was during the Shoebox series, and all the Marauders are in class, or I believe, and they're writing these really, you know, crude 16-year-old boy jokes to each other. No, it was Valentine's. It was Valentine's. Valentine's. The, the one in the fic was, roses are red, violets are oh, blue. Yeah, if you were a door, door, I would I slam, you. slam you. And you're like, <laughs> ah, like a Dumbledore? And I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's not only bad that's disturbing says behavior walsh over here that is your real name have i just obtained a nickname do, that will need, stay with me forever need, need i get to because where's the picture that is not disturbing i would totally slam that Dumbledore. okay you realize sweetie that he's like Flaming, like who cares? Suit and high heels, flaming. What are we talking about? Yes, wants to slam Dumbledore. Um, No, can I just say this? I was hoping for a non-controversial episode of Puffwa. I have a question. Show of hands. Sorry, what? I was looking for a non-controversial episode. Can I just ask you? Show of hands. Who is a member of Melinda's mailing list? On, on Puffwa, every once in a while, we tackle the meaty issues. Pronunciation, house points, scathing. After dealing with all of these very controversial issues day after day, sometimes it's on some level, I'm just a bastard and enjoy watching other people deal with them. Melinda's mailing list has been quite the controversial community for the past two days. Usually it's June Cleaver land. For the last two days, we've been targeting the issue of premarital sex. The issue is apparently the Dan Radcliffe article where he announced 
announced the fact that he had sex when he was 16 with an older woman, and that just lit the mailing list on fire. And then I tried to come to the defense of the of the child actors and say they were very good role models. And then apparently someone pointed out the fact that Emma Watson doesn't wear underwear. So why are we talking about Emma Watson's underwear? I just completely lost I don't know. I don't know. May, I, may I say something about the Yes, pick? please. Yes. Random. In chapter 21, Harry has new gray dress robes. Mm-hmm. And as I was reading, yes, I missed the letter R. Uh, <laughs> he has gay dress <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into this, because I have so much I want to say about this. Okay, so in this episode of Perfect Weekly, we are not going to be controversial. We are not going to make a commentary on premarital sex. Lady Chi, Lady Chi, I just have to tell you, I know we're, we're a few episodes behind in the release, but I would just like to single out for a moment. Lady Chi, she has broken new ground in Harry Potter podcasting for being, new. like, Star Trek had the first interracial kiss on television, you know, or I believe, was it Roseanne that had the first um, the first lesbian kiss or the first woman-on-woman kiss on television? All this rapid progress. Lady Chi is the first podcast host in the Harry Potter fandom to make reference to a really big dump on an episode of a podcast. Oh, I have all the footage. Be careful what you say in front of me. This is all being Excuse me, I need to die for a moment here. I, okay, of all the things that I have said in my podcasting career, the one thing to focus on is the really big dump. Like, oh, that's what the, I, the, gee, that's how it works. <laughs> you have a very I, productive career, and then we latch on to the one thing you said, and there you go. I still haven't gotten around to listening to it, because I've been reading Shakespeare, which, by the way, is every bit as painful as it sounds. I don't know why, like, Julia's going to kill me, but you know what it is? You know what it is? I hate every character in Romeo and Juliet and I come to realize that I hate every character in every tragedy because they're all so flippin' stupid. It's like, <laughs> just take two minutes. No, 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 stop. Stop, stop. Stop what you're doing. No, 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 because you're being dumb. Stop. Okay? <laughs> now, turn to the person that you're supposed to be in love with and have a conversation. You know what just really have- amuses me? It's good to know that if we were actually covering one of Shakespeare's fix here on Potterfic Weekly, she would piss him off. That, that, <laughs> somehow that gives me a great deal of hope. Um, I- Shakespeare and I would not get involved. <laughs> and while she's like raising her hand, can I say a few words? <laughs> I'm... I'm at Melinda Leo's website, and yes. I was just reading the fic earlier, so I didn't bother to scroll all the way down. Why are there five chapter 33s? Yeah, I we- noticed that, and Melinda is like, P.S., you are insane. And I was like, no, but look, and then she didn't actually respond. Well, to the that. thing is that if you actually look on the main page, it still says Fic Weekly is covering the seventh Horcrux, which we finished last August. <laughs> so the website hasn't been updated in a little bit, but it's okay. So, just to get back on track, because Ren is not here, so I have to be the one to do that. Tonight, we are jumping... Now, tonight, we have an all-star cast. We have Anne Walsh, the author of Dangerverse. We have Lady Chi in her big dump. We have P.S. recently <laughs> stung. You, you need, to, you need stung. to stop making me die laughing. It's not good. Did you change your icon when I got stung by the bee? Yes, yes, I changed it just for you, actually, because... <laughs> well, there's nothing better than David Tennant and in insects, really. Did well, you I'm say David Tennant, David Tennant and incest? No, I'm sorry. I'm talking over P.S. P.S. got stung by a bee and she wants to slam Dumbledore. And Mike is here. He hasn't done anything yet, but it's still early in the podcast. Let's give him time. And we have Keza, who's calling us live from Australia. Keza, how's the connection? It's good now. I moved the laptop and 
don't let me touch it. If I try and touch my laptop, say stop! Well, Keza is actually from the future. If you hear Keza scream, <laughs> oh my god, it's the nuke, we're all screwed within a 20 Keza, was my French <laughs> test really hard? Did I get my chapter yes. done tonight? It was Yes, it was. I am your magic eight ball. Oh yes. god. Keza, who will win the presidential election? Obama. That's too far in the future. <laughs> well, the funny thing is that by the time this podcast comes out, our listeners will know. So it's kind of a quaint question, but you know. Are you serious? Are we that far Well, the funny thing was I made a comment back in the first POU episode about the Barack Obama inauguration because he he was beating McCain by like 20 points then. And by the time the episode aired, McCain was up by five. So I just sounded like a raging liberal. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, Which is really funny because you're you're not. I'm really not. So it's kind of like the it's, it's, it's really just kind I mean, it, although when Sarah Palin comes on TV, I throw things. But let's get off hey, politics. No. We're not being controversial. So and back to PSY to slam Dumbledore. So, so there's a lot of stuff we're going to cover in tonight's podcast. Now, let me just start with this. PS and I kind of have a, a quirky little relationship. Uh, we both are obsessed with very low budget Star Trek slash fan films. She lives three miles from my house. I've never met her. If I do meet her, she's going to wear a paper bag over her head. You know, PS and I, we're tight. We're, we're as tight as people can be who have never met each other, who don't know what each other looks like, and you know the part about the paper bag and stuff. So I get a message from, from PS. Now, all you need to know about PS is that she is obsessed with Horace Slughorn. I think that if you, if you, if you consider that fact, and you kind of just go out from there, you can pretty much capture the spirit of our PS. So PS sends me a message the other night. Can you keep a secret? <laughs> yes. No, he can't. No, he can't. Let me well, answer that question. No, he can't well, because here, he told somebody. No, there's an exception here. I will only share a secret if it's an emergency, like a life or death emergency. For example... When Jen was pregnant, I was the only, I think I was the only one who knew. I, I think P, I think she found out a couple days later. I think I was the first one to know. And I had mentioned something to Rinna about, oh, Jen has an announcement she has to make later. And Rinna, for whatever reason, thought that Jen had cancer and had like two days to live. So Rinna was flipping out. So I had to tell Rinna together. Well, we had a similar problem with PS in the, in the thing she's about to tell me, but I actually did tell no one the secret. So she's like, I have to tell you something. Can you keep a secret? I'm like, uh-huh. So then I'm trying to guess what kind of secret P.S. would have. And I made, I actually made a short list. P.S., would you care to do the honors? or would you I, like I'm to? kind of curious to know what you thought it might be. For one thing, I thought you were going to tell me that you were a man and you were talking through some type of voice synthesizer this entire time. You would yes. be a fabulous gay man, P.S. Well, it would make the I mean, slamming of Dumbledore so much simpler. And I was then I was going down the list. I'm like, okay, we've never seen you. So then I thought you were going to come out and like pull a friends and tell me like you had a third nipple or you. I did that you were considering, you know, shaving off all of your hair, but you thought you looked like the woman from Star Trek One, get a boob job because you ha- had some extra money. Like I'm trying I'm like, what the hell could she possibly she was gonna go on a space shuttle mission? And what she told me shocked me more than any of these. I was lowballing it. PS On Saturday September thirteenth just compose At yourself. I don't want you eleven twenty one PM. Uh-huh. I fell madly and madly, so madly in love you won't even believe it with Harry Ginny. <laughs> yes. Has converted fully to the dark side. <laughs> please say that again. Please, PS PS back up please. Yeah, On gee, I can't keep secrets, right? <laughs> <laughs> On September 13th at 11.21 p.m., and I did, I made a note of this. First 
Okay. Half of my life ended and the second half began. <laughs> I am an HG my shipper and proud of it. This fic converted me fully and unequivocally. Now, I have to explain to, to, to Chi over here who doubts my ability <laughs> to keep a secret. Hold on, Marquesa. What? Yeah. I didn't hear what she said. <laughs> what fic were you reading? Oh, POE. Oh, okay. Why does it does, does it seem like are you saying that Melinda Leo doesn't have the chops to convert PS over to the Harry Ginny fandom? She could have been reading anything. PS <laughs> oh. left me alone on the non-Harry Ginny side now. It's only a matter of time. I'm going to convert you. I'm going to convert you. Oh my God! Hold on. Wait. Hold the freaking phone here, as dear lady she would say. You were not only a Harry Ginny fan. You were like a Jehovah's Witness. Jenny now? <laughs> oh my god, that gives me an idea. She go door to door. She's you know what? We could trash Melinda wall to wall right now. I still think she'd come out ahead in this podcast. <laughs> Can I just tell you what actually happened was Melinda Melinda gets kind of nervous, and when she gets nervous, her blood pressure is disrupted, and she has to go have some orange juice. Remember the time I made her read hardcore porn on the podcast? Kind of like that. Harry, I want you to <laughs> <laughs> she asked me how the first podcast went. I said, oh, it went very well. She's like, oh, thank God. Because you all remember Melinda and she and Jen in the boat. I mean, in the crying. Yeah, I don't understand. <laughs> I mean, but I'm not trying to be uncritical. We had some problems last night. If you're from the middle of the country, you might remember Melinda and she in the boat. And not- As opposed to Melinda. This is correct. So, you know, we had... So she was a little nervous. I'm like, oh, you know, I hope you don't mind. I did touch on your alcohol problem. Is that the, what? <laughs> well, I told them that you're a raging alcoholic. Oh. Oh, all right. And I mentioned the fact that you were entirely hypocritical about loving Harry. I, 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 I told everyone that you really didn't love him because really, why would you torture him so much? You, 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 you told them that. And I'm a raging alcoholic. I'm like, yeah. Because, you know, ever since you met me, I've driven you the drink. With all. She's like, yeah, I'm, I'm remembering that right now. So she was a little nervous. So then I told her, Melinda, you're never going to believe this. We have a shocking surprise for the second episode. And I think she thought I had pictures of her. <laughs> and Melinda went into like a diabetic coma. I'm like, no, 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 really? P.S. just got converted <laughs> to tell her. I, I have because... to send her a message. I have to send her a message. Because poor Melinda was about to jump off of the boat. Poor Melinda. Oh, so, poor thing. So P.S. is a Jehovah's Witness. That is yep. where we Poor Harry start. Jenny. Which P.S. I have to say, it's about damn time. Ann Walsh, author of the Danger of Her series, as a result of P.S.'s conversion to being a Jehovah's Witness inhaled an entire cup full of tea which is now trapped in her nasal passages so Anne will be with us uh, very shortly now P.S. what were you reading exactly at 11.21pm that converted you so strongly to the dark side I was reading Power of Emotion I know that what in Power of Emotion What specifically? I know what part it was. I forget what chapter it's in. Oh my, this is so bad because I should have, I should have, I should have bronzed these passages. It is the part. Yes. It is the part where they have a little spat. (laughs) And 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 and, and the part where they they come back together, Uh and they've been yelling at each other, and then they start kissing. (laughs) That's what got you so excited. Are you serious? Because that's in a lot of fix. It must have been very cool. <laughs> All right. Now, P.S., let me just say this. Let me just say this. 
Like, I feel so happy for you. I would come over and hug you right now, but there's bees flying in circles around your house. So you, oh, yeah, you don't, don't, don't come. There's bees. I'm not going to do that. So, so I'm very, I'm, I'm very happy, and we're going to look for a great deal of input from you over the course of this podcast. Okay. Uh, there you go. So I believe that is all we have. <laughs> uh, does not believe me. Don't lie to me. Keza, tell Gen 2 we're going to pull her onto the line for a moment. We're going to pull her onto the line. <laughs> we're gonna tell her to get her mic hooked up. We're going to pull her onto the line. We're going to hear it right from the mouth of P.S. Now, can I just tell you, too, Melinda and I are having a bit of an off week. Melinda and I have been fighting <laughs> all week, wall to wall, fighting. Melinda, Ryan, it's like a Hufflepuff death match in there. It's very uncomfortable. Because here's what happened. There's a contradiction in terms there somewhere. Not so much, because the founder of Hufflepuff, Bob Hufflepuff, started kickboxing. (laughs) So, Bob. Bob. His Bob Hufflepuff from Narnia founded... What? Oh, okay, you know what, Anne, you guys need to listen to more Puffwa. This is how you can tell the people who actually listen oh, to your show uh, and the wait, people I who just want... There you are. Bob the Rock. Yeah. Yes, and that's, now, that's where Mike's like, no, wait, I read this part. I read this part. And he like raises his hand. He's like, hey, pick me, pick me. <laughs> Mike, I love you so much. <laughs> and you now will have peanut butter in your hair as well as apricot preserves all over you. Well, you know what, Anne? I love you, too. So what happened was, Dan Radcliffe, apparently, at age 16, lost his virginity to an older woman. Now, as one of the dear members of Melinda's mailing list said, she was 23. It's not like she was Julie Wathers. So now I can't get Molly Harry on my head. So I'm very upset with uh, Peter from the Melinda Leo mailing list. But anyway, so Melinda was very, you know, this is her Harry. Her Harry that she would never let anything bad happen to. Her Harry. And she was, you know, she was having, understandably, she's a mom. She has boys. So she was having a little bit of issue with that. So I decided to be helpful. So I'm like, well, Melinda, person who would never be hypocritical in what she says, please point out the problem. Dan Radcliffe having sex at 16, bad. You having Harry lose his virginity in the seventh Horcrux at 17, good. Please explain to me how that works in your head. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, it's just like a bloodbath in here today. All right. Now, you know those scenes where Molly Weasley loses her mind? (laughs) And you think Melinda writes them really well? It's from personal experience. Melinda, I love every minute of power of emotion. I have nothing further. Do we have, uh, do we have Gen 2? Hello. Gen 2, welcome Hi. to Potterfic Weekly. Ryan, hello. Please have a seat. We have some startling news for you. It's true. She's in love. It's Listen true. to her. I've, this is like P. I've never heard P.S. like this. This is fascinating. Maybe that's my arm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait. Wait yes, a minute. You tell her what you told us. Oh, wait a wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let me paraphrase what I just read. Everyone else back down. This is P.S. and Gen 2. This is their moment. Everyone else back off. (laughs) I just need to tell you all what I just read on my Skype from Keza. Because I feel like I am living in the Twilight Zone. Whoever sings that song? Living in the Twilight Zone. Okay. So Keza just pings me. You know, and, and I'm eating some ice cream. I'm having a nice, quiet evening. I'm reading me some Curse of the Damned. <laughs> you know, I'm reading some I'm reading me some Harry and Jenny snogging in the Quidditch tent. Keza says, 
serious. Check my Skype message. She's converted. And so I typed in, WTF, I shall never believe it. Kaz's message says, P.S. is a HG shipper. I think I just peed my pants. Did <laughs> <laughs> you make some big ones? No, I just have to, comp- I just have to clarify. No, 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 no let you, me keep... Wait. Hold on, some of you may not know P.S. or you know P.S. from the podcast. You may be driving in your car saying, why is this a big deal? I'm, tr- I'm trying to... This is like converting Julia to atheism. This is this is this is a huge like I can't can we I, I don't even know can, this is like making the this is like oh, the Pope Jewish this is huge this is I can't even oh we'll never even know she said <laughs> no this is this is like someone saying P.S. just turned water into wine you know, P.S. just flew with her own arms you know so. I'm I'm looking. She's like she was reading Power of Emotion, and now she's a rabid HG shipper out to convert. So I'm sitting here. I'm incredulous. I'm like, what the? F-? She's like, and he's now talking about Dan Radcliffe's losing his virginity. And I'm still going. I don't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> no, he did. He really did. <laughs> no, he really did. It was in this article that we all missed. Melinda found it. You know, in the yeah, dentist's no, I, office. I read that article. He and then that. He didn't say which who it was though. He said I it was a much older woman. Not that much older, but it would give the age difference would give some people some They found out it was it was twenty three year old girl and sixteen year old guy. So oh, well that's whatever. I'm still confused because I'm just like, okay, PS is shipping Harry and Jenny. And I'm like, Are you podcasting? <laughs> Indeed I'm podcast I'm like, Whoa, baby. Two weeks in a row. I'm still confused. I'm trying. My neurons are trying to fire together. I'm like, righteous, dude. Somebody's been watching a little too much Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> In the best possible way. Oh, my God. So I've been talking a lot to Alicia or Elsie Austin, as you might know. And mm-hmm. she is obsessed with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And I, I was her. making She's an awesome. analogy. She's amazing. I love her to death. So I was, I was making an analogy about how something was like a ninja. I don't remember what it was. And she's like, yes. You must strike hard and quickly and disappear. <laughs> and she's like, I love that movie. It took me a minute and I was like, oh my god, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> we totally like geeked out for like an hour and a half about Michelangelo and how he's the only I would totally bang. But anyway. Because, <sighs> I mean, y'all just don't understand because, you know, PSP on casts with me like every week. So I'm sitting here and I'm like feeling very... <sighs> distressed because we've had a lot of like HG like like PS has like said to me I don't care if Harry and Jenny you know like fell off a cliff and like freaking died did I ever say such a thing M- maybe yes, not even try to lie these people remember things that you said in the heat of the moment <laughs> they catalog it they bring it up like it's like it's like talking to your wife they bring- she is very upset about the I dumb just know in episode that in the today. final version of this there's gonna be like there's going to be like a montage of all the times that I was ever recorded saying how much I hate that. It's going to be like, meet the press. We're going to put something up on the board that you said. I will say, I will say this though, P.S. My least favorite fic in the world is a Harry Jenny fic. But I like the ship. Who, who was it that drew like Big Damn Anvil? Was it Marta? I think so. I can see it in my head already. All the times that P.S. said something bad about Harry and Jenny. <laughs> See, 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 that's why 
I have to convert people because I have to make up for all this bad karma. That's she's like a Jehovah's mind. Witness over here. It's she's like Earl. No, she's like she's like my name is Earl, right? She's realized the error of her ways. Now she's got a list, right? She's got a list. She's got to go back and all the things that predict. Uh, just talking, I think we're experiencing the end of peon cast here because there's nothing <laughs> left to talk about. There's still me. Them be oh, that's Richard, true. You're number two. <laughs> I don't like Mary Ginny. Ryan, oh. remind me to tell you about this project that Julia and I were talking about doing for PFW over okay. the course of the next year. That I think that this thing with PS and like PS, her name. We could do a segment called "Her name is My Name is PS" and be like, you know, be like instead, "My name is Earl. My name is PS." Oh my God, I'm gonna die. I'm just so stunned. We just failed. Okay, okay, P.S. Dead yet? I can dance it. I can sing. I am not dead. Sorry. She guessed it. I said P.S. has startling news for tomorrow's podcast. And she's like, what? She likes H.G.? And I'm like, no. (laughs) She loves H.G. So I, I'm like, yeah, no, right. you're incorrect. There's no secrets between the podcast hosts. Yes, there is. I told you No. I know. I lied to your face. I know. I know. But the thing of it is, is here's the thing about Ryan and lying with like those of you that don't know him. He's very Hufflepuff. So like, Ryan can't lie. Yeah, he can't. Like he'll be like, you'll be like, Ryan, did you set a date for the wedding? He'll be like, no. (laughs) But when I type it, it comes out no. (laughs) Yeah, but I can tell. I have no, a Ryan avatar in my mind all the time that has emotions and stuff. It's like my me like, from my... Is there a date for your wedding? You told me you yeah. didn't. Oh, I was lying to you. <laughs> Thank you, Chi. But, okay. But, um... <laughs> I told you Chi could smell it on me. Well, you're walking around going, I love them, I love them, I love them. Okay. I, I did a remarkably good job of not squeeing in public over this you, past week. You did. All right, now before we move on to the chapters tonight, Gen 2, how are you doing? Do you have any further questions? Okay, now I just now that Kes is back, I just need PS to tell me. Tell me how it happened. I need to I need to, I just I need to know how it happened. I was reading Power of Emotion and the whole way through I knew I really liked the thick. Now I really liked Seventh Horcrux, but I didn't like the ship. And I really liked Coven of Echoes, but I didn't like the ship. And as I was reading this, I really liked the thick. And I didn't like the ship. And then as they just gradually got together and kissed and went to the ball. And then it was the part where they had a little fight. And then they made up. And I felt something click inside of me. second half of my life began. <laughs> she really does love them, doesn't <laughs> She does! I told <laughs> Is the Pope Catholic, you may wonder? No. No, he's not. Not any longer. <laughs> oh, Pia. Look at her, she's giddy. I this is like a first know. love situation. I she's know. Like, <laughs> she thinks it's cute and they fart. Oh. This is wonderful. <laughs> to the club. Oh. Thanks, Jen. P.S. We have a fit called after the end. We'd like you to read and comment. On. You just made my day. I'm oh. so glad. You may have made my week. It just goes to show you how craptastic my week has been. But you have made. 
<laughs> oh, this past week has been wonderful. I've been looking at fan art. They're, they've been on the background of my computer. I've been reading smut. Whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa. Harry Tinney is your desktop on your computer now? Yeah. <laughs> it's the illustration of the their first kiss. Oh. oh. Where's more? I want more. We have something new to play with. Oh, Look at this. Really, please, 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 someone make it a really cocking. Here, I got it. I, I have it. it. And, and the one that she drew of the kiss in Deathly Hallows. That's a good it. one. And she's my friend on Live Journal. I'm friends with Royally Corking on Live Journal. I'm. I have because friends last week, Kezra and I couldn't fight enough over who was the bigger Melinda Leo friend, so. Do you just want corked journal, or do you want the art? The art. The picture with the one where she's clutching at him in her room from death. I'm sorry. Hello. I love the fact that she's Australian. The art. The art. Think of it. <laughs> Ryan, you say art, This is a bitches moment, and you're mocking my accent. <laughs> Ryan, listen to me. You say art, too. Does the phrase park the car in Harvard Yard mean anything? <laughs> it would if I, I were Ted Kennedy. In, in Rhode Island, um, when we went to get frozen lemonade from the car, the guy had a really strong New England accent. And as we walked away, I looked at her and said, I didn't know people talked like that outside the movies. Well, my favorite is um, Kevin Costner from 13 Days. Get the newspaper. I'm like, what? What did he say? What did he want? <laughs> I like that one a lot. That's my new desktop. The one of them in the bedroom. It's not the fact that you're a Harry Ginny fan. It's that you're a flaming Harry Ginny fan. <laughs> the basis of what we see in the book is actually sort of like the soulmate. They're made for each other. You know, one in the universe sort of match. When to me, what I see in those books is the common teenage relationship that shows no sign that it's anything particularly special. Which isn't to say that they couldn't have gotten married later on, it couldn't have worked out, but what I don't like is this sort of assumption that, based on the books, that they're this, like, one true pair soulmate sort of thing. That's true, but I I thought my counterpoint would be there's the most foundation for it of any of the relationships in the books. No, that's foundation is Ron, Hermione. They're the only couple we see in those books where no, they actually Harry, each other and appreciate. Well, no, I, w- I shouldn't say correct. I mean, you could argue which is which is more, which is less, but there's more foundation for Ginny <laughs> than for Harry and Hermione or for Harry and Luna or anyone. Right, I mean, Weren't ha- you like a Harry Luna shipper the other day, uh, P.S.? I am still a Harry Luna shipper, and I still... I think I might still like Harry Luna more, but I you know still... why? Harry Luna isn't your desktop background. Who do you there's ship? Only, there's only one pair I ship, and P.S. is going to groan. I ship Shut Pansy up. and Ron. You say it. I've oh, actually read. It. No, I've read a Pansy Ron. I've read. I've read a Pansy Ron fic. The one that Mike likes and it's goddamn crap. I've read a three-part novel-length series that's Ron Pansy. <laughs> This is Amelie. Just had a butt in here. Was doing a little bit of editing. I know, Ron Pansy, not everyone's thing. Just because it's not quite as popular pairing, though, doesn't mean that it's not a legitimate one. After all, this is fan fiction. There's something for everybody. I believe the story that P.S. and Mike are referring to is Flame and Shadow by Maya. Also, for recommendation for a Ron Pansy ship story would be Pariah by May Gun Bat. May Gunn does a really great job of taking the characters and keeping Pansy Parkinson in particular from becoming really Mary Sue. 
Also, Megan has a really great writing style, which is very amusing. Um, the only warning that this fic is rated R and is not appropriate for younger audiences. Okay, enough digression. Back to your regularly scheduled episode. It's Ron Pansy. Kizzle, why are you throwing things at me? Never mind. I wanted to hear. I, I think Ron Pansy is probably some of the part of that. Ew, ew, ew. I found one where Ginny looks like Albus in that other pic. I have very inappropriate things to say about pictures with people with their mouth open. <laughs> oh, stop. You but must be careful because a bee could fly in. There's this really cool scene in Power of Emotion in the chapter about the date, the first one that we're reading, and it's when they go flying, and I thought it was so sweet. Why don't we get back to it? Gen 2, I, I hope this has been a meaningful evening for you. It's been very <laughs> meaningful. Thank you. Gen 2, you're so welcome. Now go hug your baby, all right? My baby's asleep, but... Go wake her up. Let's go hug her. No, you don't want to wake E up. You want to just let E sleep, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, yes. But thank, thank you for including me in this part of the podcast, making me a part of history for Poofla. You are very welcome. Psst, drive thing. safe, Gen 2. Drive well, safe. Bye. So, Ryan. Uh, I feel bad kicking Genju off the podcast. It's like, there's no more room. I can't move my elbows. Yes, Mike. All right. I keep mind, can I ask you a question about the actual fic now? Or are we yeah, can we just, it? can I, instead of you asking me one, can I ask you one? Up for grabs is all of power of emotion. We're kind of working through it a little bit differently just based on the way the podcast is going. So we're going to come back to these chapters again next week and everything. But power of emotion. What do you think happened? Oh, my God. Keep in mind, I didn't read the last chapter. I got up to the last chapter and I ran out of time. I am convinced, and I don't know if anyone else picked this up, or if it's revealed later, that the, the defense against the Dark Star teacher is Bellatrix. I am convinced. Previously on Potterfic Weekly. Draco, Hermione, and Ginny all were after Harry, and he's kind of like, he doesn't want them all, so he's... Because they had the better the naked Quidditch match, which makes Draco, Ginny, and Hermione all sort of start chasing him, trying to blackmail him. <laughs> and then you have, like, the thing with Voldemort he going... Started. I have to be wait a minute. <laughs> you're, not, you're not being serious right now. Yeah, no, wait. Hermione blackmails him with naked pictures, right? Ginny's trying to say... Blackmail Harry? Was Draco even in the fic? Yeah, he, he fondling Harry when they're... <laughs> <laughs> you just say Harry say. That's enough. How is that possible? It's not. Oh, oh, wait, poor Mike. Harry as a baby? How is that even humanly possible? Neither can live while, while the other survives. survives. What does that mean? How does that mean what is to kill the other? <laughs> Defense against the Dark Star teacher, Bellatrix. 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 Judges, the ruling, please. Mike, this is Mike almost Mike got it. Did you hear that? What? Mike yeah. almost got it. It's actually Narcissa Malfoy. And I remember, you know what? And I'm going to be very upfront here. I'm having the worst time reading these chapters on time. I've been editing and doing some work-related stuff. Be the perspective of the guy who read the fic two years ago. I've gone through like half the chapters for tonight, but I remember Judy. I read it all in one sitting. What is wrong with you people? Three things right now. I want to get to the end of Mike's point asking him what she just said, but I also want to point out that, oh, isn't this nice? P.S. loves Harry Ginny. I don't think people listening to this who haven't met P.S. know how hard this is going to be. This is like when John Murtha said he was against the war. Like, this is going to take a while to set in. Kismat, our very mature, very motherly, you know, grown-up of the Potterfic Weekly community, you know, she's, you know, the she's the, uh, up on top of the hill. Kismat's 
uh, Skype message right now says, P.S. is a HG shipper, and I'm a lemming. This is not going to go well. So P.S. has a lot of work to do ahead of her. I wonder, uh, these people, do you think they believe it? Like half of the community has P.S. as an HG shipper as their Skype thing. <laughs> and I think half of them don't believe it. We could declare war on Ireland, and this would be the front page of the New York Times tomorrow. Because are they doing work on the Skype line from Australia? <laughs> can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Quick, what's your point? I wasn't making any point. <laughs> I just was thinking about the thing. The thing that we're supposed to be doing on the podcast. <laughs> I was actually thinking of it. But the one person who's on topic is like breaking up over the... The problem is that Pierce has thrown me. The world has turned on its head and I can no longer think straight. But you're I'm upside down anyway. It. You're in Australia. Oh, that was worse than the Dumbledore comment. Oh, no, wait. Mike made the prediction. Mike thought it was um, Mike thought it was Bellatrix. It was actually Narcissa Malfoy. And the reason that Harry gave the Marauder's Map to the twins was so he wouldn't look at the Marauder's Map and see Narcissa Malfoy. So then if she's... Does that mean that Remus... Was it that he, w- he used to go out and have a crush on Narcissa, or he used to go no, out and have no, a crush no. on the person she replaced. She was, if you remember, she was very decent to Harry in the beginning, and then around, I think it was around Halloween, she became stark raving mad and was like making Harry write about what he knew of his parents' death and about how he survived Voldemort. From that point forward, there was something strange about her. Correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm remembering this part from two years ago. She was killed. While away I thought from she was Narcissa the whole time. In the very beginning, someone who just read this more recently, in the very, I believe in the very beginning, it was actually Diana Trent, and then she was abducted. So she was, abdu- you know, what it was it was right around. I, I remember the part about the map this time. So it was he sent Hedwig with the Marauders map to the twins, and then in the next scene, it was Halloween, and Narcissa Malfoy, aka Diana Trent, was having them write the essay about. Okay, so parents is it the point? Okay, the point where she writes because I, I yeah that that is when they switched. Because she's a lot more decent to him in the beginning. So I believe right, it I know, was actually... It, it was actually... Someone else correct me if I'm wrong. I think... She, I'm pretty... I'm 99% sure she was Diana Trent for the very, very beginning. Keza is talking. We, we unfortunately cannot hear Keza. Diana Trent at the beginning. She was Diana Trent the last time Harry looks at the map. She gets switched after Harry gives the map away. Or okay. Yeah. Lends it, whatever. Huh. It, w- it was in one of the author's notes. She's all like, oh, I love covering my bases. Ha ha. I didn't oh, make and I mistake. did pick it up. That Malfoy had a crush on Jenny. I wouldn't call it a crush myself, but it's more. Of a, would you I want it? you? It, it's um, more of a you're stalkerish thing. Oh, come on! If, if it was Harry doing that, you'd say it was cute. Yes, because Harry has never. Harry actually loves her. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Harry's, not, Harry's not out to like um, kill her family and friends. <laughs> that we know of. A little bit different. Hold on, Mike. You're saying that Harry's secret plan to fight inflation is to murder <laughs> the Weasley family. <laughs> Not even you believe that. Not even you believe that. <laughs> All right. So, so to, yeah, yeah. So tonight, I'm gonna let's start with this as we're struggling to reconnect. Poor Keza, trapped in Australia where they have no electricity. But I really like Ron in this film. I, he was my favorite out of all of them. I forgot how I like, much I liked Ron in this fic. Yeah, he's pretty cool. I like Ron in this fic, too. Can I just... And I merged... I, I forgot the line was actually coming from this fic. I thought it was from another one. The part where at the they're at the Yule Ball, 
And yes. they kiss, and everyone looks at Ron, and Ron's like, what? They're my two favorite people. Why do people think I wouldn't want this? I was I, like, I wanted to mail Melinda a $50 gift certificate to a local Simon's Mall for that part. I'm like, thank <laughs> you. Thank you. Like, it was so and I, I don't think he minds particularly. It just kind of breaks his brain to see his little sister kissing his best friend. Well, that's Chi every day, because her, what is it, Chi? It's your best friend is dating your brother or something like that? Yeah, my best friend is dating my little brother. How's that going? Yeah, um, pretty. I mean, I'm, I got, I've gotten used to it. They've been together for two and a half years. I will say though that there was an oh god moment the other month. I watched. Do we have a level four? I walk. I was walking down the um the stairs, you know. And usually, I make a point to make a lot of noise so that they have time to like separate. Yes. <laughs> you know. And I just, I forgot they were down there, so I didn't make a lot of noise, and they were on the couch, and I was like, oh, God! <laughs> and, uh, so that was, that was fine. I mean, it's not, it doesn't creep me out. Necess- well, it kind of creeps me out, but whatever. But I think your little brother um, or your little sister making out with anybody will creep you out, no matter who it is. The Deathly Hallows release party, actually, my little sister threw a fit in the bookstore and ran away because she saw me kiss my boyfriend. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, I had to, like, go hunting for her through the basement of the Barnes and & Noble, and I finally found her hiding behind something in the kids' section. I'm like, what's wrong with you? You kissed him! You're not supposed to do that! We're well, the- three hours from being able to go home, and she's getting herself into a mood. How old? The, the, yeah, how old was 12. You? How old were you? That was last year, so I was almost 23. Yeah, I think you're okay. <laughs> well, you think I'm okay, but she she still thinks that I should be, like, her sister and nothing else. So she's not quite okay with the whole, like, dating thing yet. Well, Danielle and I had a friend of ours over on a Thursday. We had her over for dinner. And she's like, now, is, what, what time's good? I'm like, how about 5.30? Because I had to figure out to come home from work and everything. And she's like, now, this isn't, like, an inconvenience for you guys. I'm like, what do you mean an inconvenience? She's like, I'm not, like, interrupting your quiet time with each other. I'm like... Thursday at 5.30, that's my quiet time with Danielle. I'm like, I'll tell you what, if it's a bad moment, I'll put a tie on the doorknob. <laughs> so as a joke, I put a tie on the doorknob and left it there. So my mother wanders by, and she's like, why is there a tie on the doorknob? I'm like, no particular reason. How are you? Because <laughs> I forgot to take the bathroom, so having this. Did your mother ever go to college? Did my mother ever go to college? She went to secretarial school for two years, and I believe oh. she was a commuter student. Can I tell a quick story? Uh, about If it's about you and a necktie, Mike, I want to hear it. Go for it. Not quite a necktie. I, it just reminded me, when I was a freshman in college, mm-hmm. my, it was, if you can picture like one of those really small college doubles, right? And my roommate, who I didn't know before this, his girlfriend didn't like her roommate, so she just moved in with us. As in, she took everything out of her room and just moved it into our room. And, like, like, like just three of us in this little double. And I remember that the deal we set up is that as long as they heard me snoring, they could do whatever they wanted. Oh. So that uh, just popped into my mind. Hopefully you're a heavy sleeper. Apparently I was, but I never woke up. So, but yeah. So, have you ever walked in on your roommate kissing somebody that's not their significant other? That's, like, awkward city. That happened to me today. Like, and I Moral I dilemma, though, isn't it? If you know yeah, the other person, I, I, well, I do know her boyfriend, but I think her boyfriend's kind of a. 
So I was kind of like doing like a little like happy dance at one point, but I was like, at the same time, it's like, uh, I don't know. Anyway, so I called her like 10 minutes beforehand. I'm like, I'm on my way. I'm going to be there in a little bit. She's like, okay, blah, blah, blah. I have a friend over and I'm like, all right. And I walk in and they're like on the couch. They literally like flew apart, like slow motion, American pie moment, you know? <laughs> that doesn't look bad at all. I know. And I was like, hi, <laughs> and you are? <laughs> it was terrible. It's like when she falls asleep in the podcast and she tries to be suave and high. Then she's like, what? I'm here, here. Cheap. <laughs> it's like. I don't know. I've never fallen asleep on the podcast. Have I? Gee, it's not nice to lie to your friends. That was like an irony moment. I remember the Naked Quidditch Match podcast. The Naked Quidditch Match podcast, P.S., you just were completely stuffed up. You had a bad cold. And she was applying Vicks Vapor Rub to the inside of her nose, then realized she could die from that. And someone said, well, rub it over your chest. And she's like, I can't, because there's guys here. She meant on the podcast. I, I have done that. I have been in the chat room with my friends, and I will type something like, me waves at... At everybody who just came in, and I will actually lift my hand off the keyboard and wave at the screen before I realize <laughs> they can't see me. Uh, P.S. wouldn't take her clothes off in front of us, so that was... What? what? P.S. wouldn't take her clothes off in front of us, so... Oh, I thought you said she is taking her clothes off in front of us, and I was like, no. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> How do you know I'm even wearing pants right now? Come on. I don't... Uh, <laughs> I, I'm going to assume uh. that... At- at least by the British definition, you're wearing pants and leave it at that. <laughs> like, just You know what, Chi? I like that you're the optimistic one in the group. All right, back to Melinda Leo. She wrote something called The Power of Emotion. I'm sorry, Melinda. PS- We're being really off topic. <laughs> well, I'll put you this way. It converted PS to Judaism. So I think it's been some of the stuff has been very on top. I thought she was a Jehovah's Witness. You're confusing me. Like a, Ocean that would totally attract Julie. I should change my Skype message. Confusion. <laughs> Confusion. No, to do. Change your message to I'm considering becoming Jewish and see how long it takes for Julia to send you an informational okay. pamphlet. <laughs> You really can't convert. Anyway, let's not I'm go there. To... Let's go back to uh, Power of Emotion, which is this great fic by Melinda Leo that is, you know, one of my favorites. So we should give time to it. We should, we should, we should probably touch on it very briefly before the podcast. Yeah, at the very least. There was a fic with this podcast? Yeah. There's only one major point I want to start with, and then after that, I want to turn the floor over the PS so she can giggle about it. The one thing I really liked that Melinda did in these chapters is, with, with Sirius in, in Sixth Year Fix, at least a lot of the novel-length ones I read, Sirius is the source of eternal depression for Harry. And it's like, I'm so sorry, Sirius, and everything. He, he, he's toasting his bread, and the, and, the, and the toast reminded him of Sirius. And You don't focus on any of the positive things that Sirius brought to Harry life because Harry is just in, in, in a complete and other funk about that. And the really interesting thing that she... I hope it was an intentional thing. Sometimes we do that thing where we're like, you know, Melinda did a great job doing this, and she's like, I did. Especially with with James Potter and the series Black and with Harry. You get the sense that they are would all be these incredibly guilty people. Think of Harry when he looks at his friends, and all he can picture is, you know, they're going to die, and it's my fault, and I'm going to let them down, and, and you know, and, and that will further depress him and further weaken him. Reading through these chapters, I don't remember the exact point. It was very early on. All I could think of is, okay, let's picture if Sirius is a little bit like James and a little bit like Harry, and Sirius feels himself falling back through that veil. Look what happened to Harry because Sirius died. Harry completely fell apart. He went into a completely another funk. And 
he almost lost everything. He, he just completely shut down. And if not for this girl named Ginny Weasley, he would have shut down and the wizarding world would have been lost. All I could picture is, could you imagine if Sirius were able to watch that? That's the one thing that jumped out at me. It just, cause it's the part where Harry nearly blames him. It's when you go through grief, you, you're angry at the person who died for leaving you behind. It's when he blames Sirius for that. All I can picture is, oh my god, this is... Because it's right around the time that the Dursleys are blaming him for everything. As you know, there's some points that come up in Curse of the Damned where he gets blamed for a lot more. All I can picture is, he's blaming Sirius, and I know he doesn't mean that I know he's depressed, but all I can picture is, wow, that's just the other side of the coin. So that was a part that I really, really connected with, and I really enjoyed that she put in there. The Dursleys are evil and die in a horrible fashion is a pretty common theme in Melinda's writing. Well, they don't (laughs) die. In these chapters, they're assaulted at the burrow. Tunia has an unintentional bypass surgery. That was my question. When she leaves the burrow, where is she going? I think she was just just so mad. I mean, she didn't even think. I'm really glad Melinda did this. I think she did it better than J.K. did, and she fixed a mistake that J.K. had when she includes Hermione's parents in the feck. Oh, yeah, I like that, too. I have here in my notes, it's like, I loved the inclusion of Hermione's parents, and I love that Hermione made a big mistake. Hermione didn't tell her parents about the war, and they got hurt, and then she feels guilty. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and that really yeah. did say that she had left Hermione's parents mostly off stage intentionally to kind of try to counteract the fact that the Weasleys were on stage so much. But I always just felt that was a little bit of a jip because either Hermione's not very close with her parents or we just don't get to see it. And neither of those sounds, neither of those feels very fair to me. I think this is realistic to what I think before mm-hmm. Deathly Hallows came out, before I, what I think what would have happened. I think she was afraid, especially after her second year of telling them the truth. Because in mm-hmm. her second year, as I recall, she didn't tell her parents and she thinks, oh, okay, we escaped. I escaped okay. I got out of that one. The school didn't tell my parents. I don't have to because I can get myself out of anything that comes up. And then they get hurt and she feels so guilty. It's like one of those things where in the when you try and figure out the canon and you're like okay are there only 280 kids at hogwarts then why do you have this huge castle it's one of those things that jkr did really fast in her head it made sense and when you see fan fiction writers like melinda and like she and like Anne try and like figure out the details and figure out how it works it's sometimes awkward because you're trying to be fair like Melinda and like Anne, because she doesn't wrap her head around those details. I just well, that's true too. Yeah, you, they're on the top of the train. Excuse me, I am a detail person. P.S. <laughs> crashed her car because Horace's great grandfather had the misspelling of his last name. You see several common themes in fan fiction. You see Hermione decided to go home for Christmas holiday. After all, she hadn't seen her parents in seven years and wanted to check in and see how they were doing. Or you have the fix where Hermione nearly left Hogwarts in her third year because her parents wanted to pull her out because when she went to school last year she ended up in a coma for six months and they thought hmm maybe you should go to private school so you know you have these awkward moments where it's like okay Hermione's parents either don't know about what's happening to her which means that McGonagall is an awful deputy headmistress because she doesn't keep her students parents informed or they know and they think oh well you know she is 12 years old if she wants to go back there that's fine and that was actually one of the scenes because I actually had to stop tonight at this scene right after the attack on the burrow one of the things I was thinking reading that was this must 
must be interesting. Okay, where are we going for Christmas this year? You know, Mr. Granger said to his wife, Jane, do you want to stay at the house? No, let's go to Israel in the midst of all the terror attacks, and we'll just hang out there, because you're picturing, okay, there's a war going on. Do you want to come to our house? <laughs> like, or should we go to you? Like, that was the thing, and of course, within 20 minutes, you know, they're they're hanging out outside the house, you know, as they're being bombed to death, but... Hermione does something that I think a lot of really hyper-intelligent children do. I'm going to put myself in, like, the hyper-intelligent group. I was labeled gifted as a kid, and we would, like... I had a run-in with the teacher when I was about Hermione's age when her parents get hurt. She asked for she asked for a story. She didn't put a length limit on it, so I turned in a 20-page story, and Katie overachieved again, everybody. Ha, 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 and, like, the whole classroom was laughing. You know, when you have an IEP, you're supposed to, the teachers are, by law, supposed to modify the content of the class to meet, to meet your IEP. In 10th grade, we were reading To Kill a Mockingbird. Well, I'd already read and done a lot of stuff with To Kill a Mockingbird in the 7th grade, which is about where that book is at reading level, you know? And she's like, oh, but we're going to do different things with it. You don't need to, you don't need to modify your program because we're going to do different things with it. And I'm like, what can you dif- do differently about To Kill a Mockingbird? <laughs> it's about racism. I, what else are you going to talk about? The color of Scout's shoes? Like, I don't get it. But I didn't, I never told my mother about it. She found out a year later, two years later, was very upset with me. But I had this idea in my head that I had to protect my mom from, like, the stress of my everyday life. Like, I was a big girl and I could handle it already. I think Hermione might have that, impre- like, that thought process, too. Like, Yeah, she, that happened to me, too. Yeah. I think a lot of, a lot of us, I don't know, I just, I think people of a certain mindset are just very, like, I, ha- I can take care of myself. Like, school is my thing, and it's my responsibility. And so I, I can see where why Hermione did the things that she did the way that she did them. During the attack itself, and this is something that I remembered from reading it two years ago, and it, nothing that I read tonight changed my mind on that, there's no reference to Hermione fighting the Death Eaters. Molly is defending the Grangers. You hear Hermione scream. She's trying to help her father, who's been hit. But to my knowledge, I... Correct me if I'm wrong. Is there a single line in there that said that Hermione fought back? That's keeping in canon, though. Hermione panics in tight situations. That's exactly what I mean. I can handle this. I'm not going to tell them. Everything will be fine. Which is ridiculous. You know, I'll bring my parents to the to the to the Weasleys' house where we're where we're all members of a secret you know resistance (laughs) organization, but no one will mention the war. (laughs) That will be. I'll just move. And of course, as you would think, that'd be ridiculous. Oh, Harry's uncle and aunt and and cousin are here. Their house just got bombed a few moments ago. Excuse me. And they're like, "Hello, we're dentists." (laughs) It's like you think. (laughs) What freaking war? <laughs> I like the hello I did this. Like I think Melinda does a really good job of getting it from because I think in so many fics, Hermione is either this perfect Mary Sue who can make no mistakes, or she's like this complete shrew who can't do anything <laughs> right and burns the Marauder's map. So yes. I mean this fic does a really good balance and Hermione is one of the she's not my favorite character. But she's the one that I most identify with, so a good portrayal of Hermione is very important to me. And I think this is one of the best portrayals of Hermione I've ever seen. I think a lot of us kind of reluctantly identify with Hermione. We would like to think that we're not as Hermione-like as we actually are. My sister and I were talking about it. We were talking about how sometimes in canon we can't stand her. And then the real- <laughs> we come to the realization that we can't stand Hermione because she's exactly like we were. At 11, at 12, at 13, at 14. Ooh, me, 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 know-it-all kind of, like, I got over it. I hit puberty and, and decided I didn't care anymore, but my sister never did. She was like, her mind... actually would have this little signal to tell me to put my hand down in class. 
I, I, I caught myself. I caught my. See, I caught myself doing it yesterday. I was like, P.S. is pretty short, so she's like, ooh, 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 and she's jumping. I know, I know, I know. Can I just tell you when Danielle first bought me the Harry Potter books, she handed them to me and said, "I hope you enjoy them." I'm Hermione. <laughs> so Danielle went through that denial stage. Danielle's not Hermione. Danielle is Hermione. Oh, if you ever saw her in class in school, Danielle is. She is absolutely Hermione. Like even when she does like the annoying little Hermione things, like I'm I'm like Ron, like screaming. At her. It's hilarious. She is Hermione. Hey, I got a lot of Ginny vibe from her. I have to say. Oh, she's a combination. Well, you know what the thing is too. It's like you can go so many different places with the character depending on what direction you aim in from the beginning. I mean, we just read Power of Emotion where Hermione's a spy and she's jump kicking Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And <laughs> I still like the fic, but you in this one, Power of Emotion. <laughs> look at that, Melinda writes Harry Hermione. <laughs> Let's start the rumor. They're both key um, of foul word, so it's understandable that you would get them confused. Well, I have pictures of Melinda too, which we'll get to later. But anyway, um. So in this one, I like the the fact that her Hermione starts out as very annoying. Like, she bugs me right from the beginning. And I think uh, Gen 2 was saying last week that when Gen 2 wrote the scene with, a Herm- with an annoying Hermione, Melinda was like, bravo, you totally captured the spirit of the character. <laughs> but, you know, so... No, that was me. That was me. Oh, that was... Well, you're, inter- you're, you're interchangeable. You both sound exactly the same. And- yeah, yeah. Both have kids. We both have kids. That makes us the same and interchangeable. You need to stop talking right now. (laughs) (laughs) Is the fact that Keza has given birth to a Harmonian, does that mean anything? I'm not sure. (laughs) Oh, the son and heir. He's my favorite. (laughs) The Harmonian. I know, but he cracks. Do you want me to call him in and we'll get his take on Yes, let's get his take. Do it. Man, you're going to love this. It's incredible. Michael, come here. Now, Michael has only seen the movies, okay? He has never read any yeah. of the Harry Potter books. He's only seen the movies. <laughs> Michael, who does Harry love? Hermione. <laughs> I want to convert him. Michael, P.S. has an informational pamphlet for you written in third grade level. (laughs) The thing that I want to say most about this story is that, apart apart from the occasional grammatical annoyance, it never threw me out of the story. There was never a moment where somebody somebody said something and I had to stop and go back and make sure I had the name right. Or when something happened and it would throw me out of the story, that didn't happen. And that's happened to me a lot reading fanfics. So I like this story because it flows together well and it takes you some really interesting places, but it doesn't like jolt you out of the story at any point with you saying, wait, no, that makes no sense. Yeah, it's like she said before, it's comfort food. It's 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 (laughs) very true to the canon. The characters are very much like themselves. And, there, yeah, there's very little that makes you go, what? And it's really funny because when you read more of her, I, I don't know how familiar you are with her stuff, she, we read the seventh Horcrux, or other fic, right before DH came out, and she nailed a lot of it. She nailed, down to lines of dialogue, she nailed how the story would end. And the, and the really funny thing is, is that um, Melinda is probably one of the most, I love her, she's like the most humble person you're ever going to meet. But she was, she's doing some writing the other day, and she asked me a question about, about um, the canon. Do I think this would work in the canon? And I'm like, yeah, I think, yeah, you're, you're fine. That, that seems very plausible to me. I'm like, but you know, you already did that in Curse of the Damned. And she's like, no, I didn't. I'm like, yes, you did. 
She's like, no, I didn't. I'm like, yes, you did that in Curse of the Damned. So she went out and got out her copy of Curse of the Damned, her sequel to this, and read it. And she's like, oh my god, I did do that. I completely forgot. So then she's reading Curse of the Damned. She's like, oh look, I got this right and this right and this right and this right. And I'm like, oh. Oh my god, hey, like Melinda Leo. I can't too. believe have I, I can't have believe I told you have I told you my personal response to book six what, and seven? What's that? Well, as I'm sitting there reading them and winning bets, I'm going, ooh, this is interesting. Hmm, I can do so much with this. Oh look at that. This plays right into my hands. Hey, I think I got that right. <laughs> so I books one through five I read from the perspective of like the obsessed fan. Books mm-hmm. six and seven I read as source material. <laughs> I have to say, <laughs> I was writing when um when Half Blood Prince came out. I think I think with all my love is is pre Half Blood Prince. I'm not even sure anymore. See, this is this is how horrible Starts an author I am. Prince and I know exactly yeah. what chapter I was on when Half Blood Prince came out. Oh, I, I can tell. Go too back and I look, it. but I think I know what chapter I was on when Deathly Hallows came out. Uh-huh. But I, I know exactly where I was. I can like go to my website and point and be like, there, that story. I was writing. I was writing with all my love pre Apple Prince when Apple Prince came out. I literally got up and did a dance because I wasn't going to have to change anything and with all my love to make it canon. And then <laughs> Deathly Hallows came out. I was like, "Oh, I pwn. Yes." <laughs> I was yeah. Like, I don't have to totally. change anything. <laughs> Can I point out one thing? In this fic, there's obviously the scene, and this is from memory too. The one thing that I didn't. Like the first time I read this fic, and this shows you how in touch I am with Joe's inner person. I didn't like the part of the fic where at the end, where Harry's held at Malfoy Manor and the, the order comes to save him, that Molly Weasley was dueling. Because I thought that was completely out of character. I didn't think that would be remotely plausible. And we get picture Molly Weasley, <laughs> and she freaking kills Bellatrix Lestrange. I'm like, you know what, Melinda? <laughs> mea culpa. Mea culpa. Mea culpa. Mea culpa. <laughs> yeah. Ella- that moment in both fics, actually. First of the Damned and Deathly Hallows. Did I just call Deathly Hallows a fic? I'm really yes, you did. <laughs> I love this. And my dad asked me, he's like, what are you going to do tonight? And I was, I went to type, I'm going to read for class. But instead I wrote, I'm going to read fix. And he's like, you're going to read what? And I was like, for class. For class. <laughs> <laughs> I, I it's the abbreviation. It's the abbreviation. <laughs> yes, fix. Um, for in class stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, but it just it, it it literally totally cracked me up. Like I I just I you know what the thing is. I'm trying. Okay, we sit down to read Power of Emotion, Curse of the Damned, and I'm thinking about. It. I'm like, okay, I remember I really like this fic. I remember big scenes. I remember the battle at the end of this fic at the Malfoy Manor because it has one of my favorite lines and any fan fiction in it. I remember the attack on the burrow. I remember something that happens very early on in Curse of the Damned. I remember the very ending of Curse of the Damned. And there there are character points and so, so I can I don't remember like overwhelming plot points or you know the 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 quest they're going like I don't remember stuff like that. I remember all the character stuff. When I read it over, there's just these little moments going through it. It's incredible comfort reading. And as I go through it, I like okay. Where are we now? I've I've read today up to like chapter twenty four. I can't really tell you what the plot line of Power of Emotion is. Like I've re- like the one like we just read perfect example. We just read um, Paradigm of Uncertainty, and at this point in the story, I think Harry had been kidnapped by 
Super Duper Uber Jesus. And Super Duper Jesus met Hermione at a Starbucks in Des Moines, Iowa, and brought her out of the space-time continuum to explain to her how the disciples of regular Super Jesus... Did. And I'm sitting here, and I'm like... How much are you exaggerating? Thing. Like, I honestly it's, want to know. It's not that bad. It's, it's a very dense plot line. Like, canon. In Deathly Hallows, I have to sit down and be like, okay, the Horcruxes and the Hallows, and here they are, and here's where they overlap. Then you get out the second dry erase board, and you figure out what happened to the Elder Wand and where it moved over time and where it is now. and who It's very dense stuff. You have to read it two or three times to nail it. And in this fic, we're 25 chapters through it. I'm not incredibly clear on what the plot line is, and that's a good thing because I'm just enjoying it. It's like the point where you get to chapter 25 and you're like, oh, holy crap, we're 25 chapters and nothing's happened yet. And then you look and you're like, okay, not it started quite, with not Harry. Quite. Harry lies on his couch and eats Fritos, but close. No. Yeah. Well, that one was just absolutely <laughs> retarded. You know, it's, it's like I went, I had this Spanish class when I was in high school. All I remember about that Spanish class is just yakking with the teacher. Like, he would just talk to us, and he would talk to us about sports, he talked to us about life, his first girlfriend, all this. All I remember, it's like head of the class. I just remember talking about stuff other than Spanish. But when I go back over my workbook at the end of the year, I did all the assignments. It flew by. And you know what? That actually happens in canon, too. I had a friend who, I think she was reading Half-Blood Prince. And she's like, I'm 100 pages away from the end, and like nothing's happened yet. I'm like, oh, no, it starts picking up very soon. But that's how J.K. Rowling writes. So I was... I, I just like it. It's just, you know what? There's not this overwhelming, massive plot puzzle that Harry must solve before the time-space continuum collapses and crushes Hogwarts. It's Harry loves Ginny, and Ginny's the help. <laughs> and that's pretty much... That's all that matters. It's, it's hey, nice, Ryan, it's that's nice enough for me. like that sometimes. Yeah. 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 It's, it, you know what? It's, it's absolute comfort food. It's, you know, I'm sick, like she said, and I just want to read something that makes me feel good. And it makes you feel good. It, it doesn't make you question whether or not Harry could ever have sex with Hermione or whether, you know, <laughs> Snape is Harry's father for the day. or whatever. It's just, Harry loves Ginny, but he's so nervous to ask her out. Even Ron is, you know, you're not allowed to sleep with my sister unless you're just friends. If you're friends, you can sleep with her. But if you're dating, you definitely can't sleep with her. Harry's like, okay, can you please explain that to me again from the top? I mean, that's... <laughs> That's about as bad as it gets. You know what I mean? It's just very... Yeah. Although, I am amused that there have been several references to Harry getting aroused. Thank you, Anne Walsh, even though that is not your true name for you were in the Witness Protection Program. Now, for a moment... Are you going to give up on that? No. For no. a moment. Okay, now, Melinda and I, as as I stated before, we're getting into scuffles earlier this week over Dan Radcliffe and, and his you know encounter with an older woman and how that was her Harry, and I made the comment that she had Harry sleep with Jenny at one point in one of her other stories, and then she yelled at me. Well, here's the thing. She has more fans than I do. I have no fans. She has some, so hence she has more fans than I do. And she had them all, you know, mail crap to my house and stuff, so Melinda's taking on Perfect Weekly. <laughs> so Melinda's like, you know, I, I no, not my Harry. He has an erection every four minutes. And it's completely normal. She obviously is the mom of three relatively young boys. But the thing that cracked me up is I was thinking to myself, J.K. Rowling could have written this fic. Because, yeah, because J.K. Rowling would have stopped Half-Life Prince to write a fic. But it's very much J.K. Rowling style. But then you're like, can you imagine, like, the mom reading with her eight-year-old trying to explain, now, why did Harry turn over on his stomach, mommy? Um, he had a bellyache, dear. You've never met my mom. She, she would have just straight up I was like, told me what I, was going on. Do you remember that? I was like, 
oh, can they do this? I was like, can Horace and Leonid kiss in my fic? And Melinda's like, should be fine by me. I'm like, well, yeah, Harry and Ginny have sex on every page of your fic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my mom probably would have um, explained that to me. Oh, I have to, the first time I ever learned what an erection was, seriously, I remember this very distinctly. My, I was um, staying the night with my friend Kelly Jo Scott. She goes, Let's see if it compares my to my story. Me the weirdest. She goes, my mom told me the weirdest thing the other day. I was like, what? She goes, she said that when boys kiss, their parts get bigger. And I was like, no, they don't. She's like, yes, they do. And then it's like, I started like watching people to try and observe this phenomenon, you know? My mom never had a conversation with me about sex other than if you have sex before you're married, I'll kill you. And if you come home pregnant, don't even come home. I kind of got a real clinical version of the talk at age eight, but de- details got added in succeeding years. But see, it was a little bit forced because, um, yeah, brother. Oh, yeah. I, I got a brother and yeah, I was eight years and 11 days old when I said, mommy, what's that? <laughs> When Danielle was born, her older brother wanted their mother to return Danielle to wherever Danielle came from because she came broken. She was missing a part. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yes. We didn't even have the uh, some boys kiss other boys conversation. I had to find that out by watching a special on Elton John on VH1. (laughs) But that was the thing I just love. I'm like, she does first love so well. Like, the excitement. Like, if you just listened to P.S. a few moments ago, that was me at 16, the first time I kissed a girl. I just feel really, you know, behind Dan Radcliffe here. But she gets everything so well, and I don't know if it's because she can just put herself into people's shoes very well, or if she just has had a lot of experience in, you know, in every portion of life. And it's just like, I remember my first kiss. I remember my first love. I remember my first time I fought a Dark Lord in a field, and I remember that. And Melinda just really makes the characters seem alive and she does mom well and she does kid well and like especially like one of my favorite moments in here is where obviously we have the obligatory drunk harry scene and we have in this episode molly ripping her kids new ones including harry i thought that was the coolest scene because that's what Ginny does Ginny's the person that when everyone is is patting harry on the head and saying oh i'm so sorry you know i shall not break you because you're very fr- fragile Ginny's the person who's saying screw you if you make my mom cry i'm gonna kill you <laughs> and you have molly weasley this kid has to save the world and she's screaming at him for getting drunk and Harry's looking at the floor and he's turning beet red. I thought that was a really great moment because he's her kid. Harry needs occasionally for somebody to like grab him by the scruff of the neck and be like, no, that was stupid. Yeah, I, I, also, think that, I think it's a miracle that Harry came out as well as he did in the books. That shouldn't that shouldn't have happened, but we, we kind of black box it for yeah. the sake of the books. On a random side note thought, because you know how my thoughts kind of go randomly, side note. Does anybody remember in the books who told Harry about sex? Or did Harry just figure it out? Harry <laughs> never peed in the books, so I don't think he even knows. Um... <laughs> Somebody used to make that story. I think they did, though. I think it's called um, Plugs and Outlets, right? Plugs and something. I think so. I well, we're about to cover the Lavender Brown fic in a couple weeks, so <laughs> I think I think in there, at some point, Harry figured out what went where. Especially yeah. <laughs> if you read her private collection. Oh, oh, somewhere in there. Yeah, she, there's there's no talk anywhere in the canon books, but you kind of get the feeling that he knows mostly what happens at some point. 
We should hope. See, see, this is when the old PS would have made a joke about Ginny having those kids with somebody else and Harry not knowing how sex works. <laughs> but seriously, can you picture, do you remember the scene from Order of the Phoenix where Harry goes to Dumbledore in the middle of the night to tell him that Arthur Weasley has been attacked? And it's the scene from the movie where McGonagall's pulling him and they did the really great camera moves where it's like he's back and he's forward and he's back. Could you imagine Harry, every time he gets an erection in Melinda's fic, which is about once every 20 minutes, he's like, what is happening to me? He goes to Dumbledore in the middle of the night to tell him something's wrong. <laughs> you know, Dumbledore is doing something to me. <laughs> help me, help me. And Dumbledore is like, oh, my. Um, hmm. Sherbet lemon? Like, what do I do? <laughs> Harry's first wet dream. What's <laughs> that? I just gonna comment that was something you were saying about Molly Weasley really stuck out to me. I, I remember in the books, I always think it has to hurt him almost a little bit when she's like she yells at all her kids, turns around to him, and she's quiet and friendly to him. He needs a place where he can belong. And the fix where I don't like it as much are the fix where it, it's not about is Harry a Weasley on paper. It's not about is he legally one of hers and what is the arrangements? Do they have access to his... It's not about that stuff. It's about does Harry feel like he's her kid? When she gives him his own spoon in the clock and when she screams at him just like he's one of the other kids. Did you just say a spoon <laughs> in the clock? Yeah, in the movie, do, isn't it little spoons like in the clock? <laughs> in the movie, okay, they look they like look spoons. They look like spoons. They're not spoons. Clocks have hands, Ryan. Spoons are for well, eating. <laughs> thank you, P.S., for giving us a clip for the beginning of tonight's podcast. I know that, but in the movie, they look like spoons. <laughs> yes, in the movie, they, they do. Spoons, but they they're do. not spoons. They're flat. <laughs> We have spent entire podcasts talking about the movies, how the movies thought things wrong. If you can't cast people in at 20 years old that died at 20 years old, and you have people that are 35 playing 20-year-olds, oh, and it's really freaking does. obvious, how can you possibly expect them or to get the hands on the Or if he doesn't have a mustache. Yes, oh. a mustache must die. Oh, I was very amused. So I was very oh, amused no, 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 when no. James Potter was played by Robert Picardo from Star Trek Voyager. I think it's really interesting how virtually everybody that abducts Harry in a fic has Snape rescue him. Now, I'm not saying anything against Melinda Leo here because, as you know, I'm her biggest fan. But I'm just wondering, is there someone else who could rescue Harry just once in a fic? This whole thing, you know, Melinda Leo loves Harry and everything, but, you know, she tortures him. She, like, totally does in this fix. She, like, abducts him, like, lures him down like Draco is a git and lures Harry down and captures him and takes him away and beats him up severely. And then she crushes Ron's hand and then, like, she sends Snape to rescue him. And I'm just like, just, it's awful what she does to Harry in this one. It's just dreadful. And she picked on me because I made him fall down some stairs. You know, I didn't. But you know what <laughs> kills me about this, Melinda? This, you know, she, beating up stuff. She beats <laughs> him and dehydrates him, and yeah. she beats him again and tells him he's responsible for everything that's ever gone wrong in the world. And then she beats him again. But then she's like, "It's okay. I do it because I love him." I'm like. And what? I hug him afterwards, and I don't leave him to cry alone in the bushes. And you know what I've been thinking? I've been madly trying to think, where in canon is Harry crying alone in the bushes? I think I missed something. I don't know when that happened. Beginning of Harry- Order of the Phoenix. 
Amazing the Bush is listening to the news after Cedric just died. That crying. crying. Well, he's not crying. He's probably very sad. Okay, Lala. You just, <laughs> but, you, but you know what's interesting, he's, he's though? He's not crying. He's kind of, like, bemused. Like, why the heck am I in the hydrangeas? <laughs> <laughs> the book opens. He's like, why does she always start me in a weird place? But yeah, I, the interesting thing with what Kez has said, though, is she's totally right about everything Linda puts him through. Yet, if you ask me for my overall sense of this book, it wouldn't be like a year like another. In a year like another, you know what yes, I mean. This year is the yes. same as all the others. This fic is called a year like another. <laughs> <laughs> a year like another, I, the most boring fanfic ever written. It's like all other fics. <laughs> Harry's as his eyes I think I wrote that fic at 14. While watching like, MASH. I do find it interesting that so many fanfic writers kidnap Harry, but like Voldemort kidnaps Harry in post-Order of the Phoenix fix. But J.K. Rowling never really did that. Like, she didn't have Harry kidnapped and tortured and whatever. Did I miss she the used... discussion why we torture the characters we love? Because they're woobies. Because they're what? what? Woobies! What the heck oh, is that? that? Here's the thing, because... I know exactly where Melinda is coming from because I do this with Horace. And Hold on, P.S. beats Horace? You torture them because it's so cute when they're suffering, and it's so cute. It's even cuter when they feel better. Aww. Like, wait, oh my wait, god, wait, like, I'm just like, What is I'm the term you used, and can you spell now. it? W O O B I E. Okay, and it means what? It means they're cute when you torture them, but they're even cuter when they feel better. Can you picture P.S. with a magnifying glass burning ants to death saying, I do this because I love them? <laughs> no, I feel the same way. No, I think Here is I, the dictionary definition. Not spiders. A term of endearment. Someone who is so cute, sad, adorable that you want to hug and comfort them. And that oh, is why Linda tortures okay. Harry, and that is why I torture us. And that That's is why, why I torture the doctor, because there's something gorgeous about Dave Bennett when he's utterly miserable. That would have to mean that I love my entire cast. <laughs> the one well, I, I love Harry so much, I let him have sex instead. <laughs> you knocked him down a flight of stairs. I around. love that. It just makes me it it makes me squee even more than Harry Ginny. Harry torture? No, no, no. Harry, <laughs> it's not like Harry. S and M. P. S. Harry, it's not S and M. It's like it's, it's like letting him stand in the rain and then letting him get all dried up and sit. Hold by on, the you're fire. comparing the repetitive beating of Harry Potter just standing <laughs> in the rain. Yes, because it's is that so the cute euphemism we're going with now? <laughs> it's so adorable when he's dripping wet, and then have it's you, like he's dripping blood. They're beating him. to Heza, have you seen the end of season four yet of Doctor Who? Is this what I'm like with Battlestar Galactica? Somebody tell me the truth. Because it's there's a scene where the Doctor is standing in the rain, looking miserable and gorgeous at the same time, and I was like, "Yes, you must have seen season four because that's what it does. That's what a whoopee is. He's standing in the rain." You like know where I am. I'm in, still in season one. I haven't gotten to the scary, terrifying I'm end gonna yet. kill you. You need to go faster. <laughs> I just have to I'm say trying. something about P.S. I got Ryan, is- too. I'm trying to do Babylon 5 for Ryan, and I, I'm trying to do who for you. It's Can like, I tell you it's the like thing? a very balancing act. P- P.S. comes to me one day and says, You know what I really wish there was more of? Really poorly budgeted Star Trek fan films that are slash. As I'm watching one, I'm like, Oh, oh 
So we're so we're talking last night. She ships Corey. Rowe, I ship right? Corey Rowe. But then Corey starts dating Jorian, and she's like, "Well, I don't like the two of them." I'm like, "Okay, fun fact: the two male actors who play each of them, they live in California. They got married last Tuesday." She's like, "That's wonderful." Did you hear me? Where I said I ship Corey Rowe. So it was like, "Yes, for thanks." So like, "Oh, yeah, okay, I, I, I reject your reality and substitute my own." I'm a Dr. Rose shipper. I do that routinely. <laughs> this season, they had one of the doctor's like future companions, most people calling him his wife. She's not his wife, even though the creator of the show said that she's his wife in the future, because I don't like that, and la, 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 la. <laughs> so I do that kind of stuff all the time. Uh, Ramus dying. I can't hear you. <laughs> well, it's like fan fiction. How many people went, okay, Joe, that was a really nice story. But well, I here's did. after the end. We're going to go with that instead. Thank you so much for stopping by. That's why the Star Trek fans annoy me so much sometimes, because they get obsessed with their little thing about canon, and they're like, well, this isn't canon, because, you know, canon is only the movies and the TV shows, so if this didn't happen in a show, it actually never could have happened, where my thought is, well, if I liked a book, why can't I just say that's what happened, and I can be my own little universe, and I'll just pretend that's how yeah. it It's like you're waiting for someone else to tell you what's acceptable and it just just do your own thing it just drives me nuts. i don't accept anything she says in an interview if it's not in the books i don't accept it well really? sometimes you ever get the sense in the interview where she's actually making it up as she goes along yeah, she contradicts yeah. herself and it's just like well no, she did that with luna she said in an interview you know what i was about to say that luna got married <laughs> to someone else it could have been neville yeah sure <laughs> and then the next interview she's like no no definitely wasn't neville i'm like well, which is it? You decide. I will say, though, that I am going to be just like her when and if my original novel gets ever, ever published, and Ryan's going to laugh. Because he's going to call me, gee, <laughs> I was reading this interview, and it contradicts directly what was in this book, and I'm going to be like, bite me. She's <laughs> novel is so they good. Are, they are my consistency checkers. They will literally email me within five minutes of a new chapter coming out and be like, uh, just a note, you made a very slight factual error here, and I'll be going, crap, I knew there was something wrong. Fix, 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 okay, they're fine. Five minutes later, I get another email. Just to let you know, you made this other mistake here. This is about the point when I pick up my enormous pool noodle and go out hunting. Well, my favorite was uh, when we had Aspen in the Sunlight on. She did this, like, 23-chapter story arc about how Snape adopts Draco. So his new name was Draco Snape. And there was different layers to it. Would people accept him and, and the Malfoy name and the, and the good and the bad and all this stuff and acknowledging where you come from, but acknowledging where you're going? All these deep, deep, deep things. And then she does one thing at the end where Draco wins the House Cup and she had Dumbledore say, and 10 points to Draco Malfoy. And everyone's like, <gasps> Dumbledore mm-hmm. hates him. Dumbledore will acknowledge. It's because she forgot to ch- edit the damn thing and make it Draco Snape and all the fans will yep. Yep. Yeah, it's like, oh, um, there's a very deep reason foreshadowed over 25 chapters why I did that. So like, happened, like this, this wasn't even in the fic. I was talking to Scott, who is my beta, and I was saying, oh, well, this, 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 this will happen, and th- I'll have this happen, and it was a typo, and he's like, oh, that'll happen well. I support you all the way. Yeah. And it was a Yeah, no, I don't I don't have anybody who tells me I make interesting plot choices. I have people who are like, that's a stupid idea, here's why. <laughs> 
I actually had people theorizing on the basis of a misstated Latin word. Like, I'd, I'd picked the wrong Latin word off my color list and not noticed. I had people deciding that one of my characters was not actually her father's child. Nice. Well, it's like when JFK went to Germany and said, I am a jelly donut. Like, get the pronunciation guy before you walk up on the stage. And I love it. All the Germans are like, yay! <laughs> like, what? Did he just say he's, oh, whatever, hey, it's John Kennedy. Well, that was, like, my favorite thing. It's, like, I have Melinda, like, writing me this thing, and she's, like, sweating nervously. She's, like, do you think this plot will work if I put this in a story? I'm, like, yes, I do, because you've already done it in Curse of the Dam. She's, like, what? Mm-hmm. I love it. I'm keeping it anyway. I'm, like, all right. <laughs> hey, Melinda Leo, I hear she wrote a fic. Really? Uh, Did she? <laughs> <laughs> The return of Keza to the podcast. Keza, take it away. Uh, <laughs> I've got a mouthful now because I decided to have lunch. <laughs> <laughs> because you're just yapping about I don't know what. <laughs> Keza picked your kids up from school. <laughs> Almost. But like, I was going to get back to that point you were making about um, Harry is a Weasley and it's like this big catch cry in them. I think that can get overdone. And I actually felt it got a little bit overdone in this fic over Christmas. Um, every time Harry turns around, Mr. and Mrs. Weasley is telling him that he's a Weasley. And I just like it better when it's a bit more understated than that, that, that you can see it in the way that the people interact. Harry, and I think you were saying before, Ryan, about how Harry is reacting and how Harry's feeling rather than this really overt, explicit, you're a Weasley, you'll always be a Weasley. Here's your hand on the clock, Harry. And I just <laughs> like it better when it's a bit more understated. The one thing I just want to get out really fast is when they're over the house and they're giving out the Christmas ornaments, and I'm like, oh, this will be cute. She'll give a Christmas, because I forgot the part about the clock. I'm like, she's going to give a Christmas ornament to Harry. And she gives one to Harry and Remus and Tonks and Alastra Moody. And I'm like, Alastra Moody? Like, he hasn't been in the thick yet. Like, he gets one? Because Harry must feel very moved because everyone gets one. Like, Creature, I think, got one. And he killed Sirius, you know what I mean? It's like, hmm. like, how, like I, will, I was huh? reading that too. I was like, how special is Harry now? If no, no, no. Just... You've all missed the point. There are ribbons on Mr. and Mrs. Weasley's ornaments, and they now have seven blue ribbons and one pink ribbon on their ornaments. That's the special part. Aww. Oh. Ah, Somebody must have getting it. I got it. I just had to say aw. <laughs> well, my thing, I'm so glad you were here, Keza, because I'm like, what, are they in a union? Like, they're going to file a grievance unless they all get their damn Christmas tree on? I was so... Co- <laughs> then she put his hand on the clock, and I'm like, oh, that's meaningful. Okay. And I love the part, too, where, um, and I'm being totally serious, I, th- there's several Molly Weasley moments I love in here. I love after she <laughs> rips Harry a new one, and he feels awful. Remus says, I have all of these memories I want to share with you. They're in Dumbledore's pensive. You know, like that scene that should have been in the canon, where Harry is at actually remotely curious about his parents in some capacity whatsoever. And Molly says, I wasn't eavesdropping. And he says, well, would you like to see them with me? And he's like looking at the ground when he says it. And she says, I've never met James and Lily, but I would be very honored to. Because they keep re-hitting the theme that Molly, not even Arthur, but Molly is replacing Lily. And not like replacing, replacing, but Molly is stepping into the role that Lily can't step into anymore. And I kind of like that connection between Molly and Lily, because I haven't seen that very frequently. You just don't see it well done very much. 
Yeah, she hugs him and tries to put meat in his bones. She always makes sure that he's not freezing to death. But you get the sense that Molly Weasley would do that for anyone. Or, you know, the frequently overdone line, he's like one of my own. Well, okay, great. He's like one of my own. And people say that friends are like their family. That's a wonderful expression, and I'm sure people really mean it. But it's another thing when the person moves in with you and you help them pay their medical bills. I mean, there's there's another level to it. I like the fact that Melinda keeps hitting that nail on the head over and over again and really reaffirms that because... I never got the sense in the canon that the Weasleys were Harry's family. I think Ron and Hermione were Harry's family. The one moment you start to get it, J.K.R., I think, very deliberately interrupts. It's the moment at the end of Goblet of Fire when Mrs. Weasley is holding him. Melinda Leo commented that she was, like, giving Harry this moment with Molly to make up for the one that got interrupted in Goblet of Fire. She is very, very bitter about that moment that has been interrupted, and that is one of the reasons she hates Hermione with the passion. Do you ever get the sense, cute little Melinda June Cleaver Leo over here, (laughs) if she ran into Emma Watson in the street, she'd be like, oh, I'm so sorry, and back over Emma with her car? Like, I don't mean that. (laughs) She thinks Emma is a lovely person, and she has absolutely no connection to the Hermione character, but Hermione herself... She cannot forgive Hermione for ruining that moment for Harry. She has got it in for Hermione, big time. Cute little June Cleaver Melinda no, not so much. <laughs> That's what she wants you to think. That's what she wants. She does. But, Indeed. <laughs> but when I, I hung out with Melinda and Tina one night, and Melinda, we had just Danielle and look I. That, look at that. I hung out with Melinda. Look at that. I hung out with Melinda as she read your fic. K E Z Z A B E A R. K E Z Z. You gotta stay at Melinda, So Melinda stopped at my house, and then I had to stop off at the bank. So I, I park the car, and they pull in behind me, and I, Danielle and I run into the bank to take out money for dinner. And we come back, and there's lollipops under my my windshield wipers, because Leo's baseball coach for his kids or whatever, so he has all these lollipops in his car he gave to the kids. So they're eating their lollipops. It's like the ring pop things. And I'm like, don't eat the ring pops. I think Melinda Leo's getting back at me for the bow incident. Like, there's a laxative in there or something. I don't know. But <laughs> Melinda, she's the sweetest person in the world, but on some level, she's like, I'm having a bad day. If anyone needs me, I'm having a beer. And I'm like, Melinda, it's 8.30 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> But All right. Melinda's just... Hold on, guys. I will be right back. I have to go re- rescue my gimpy kitten. Nope, never mind. She got down. Uh-huh. She was born with a birth defect, so her paw actually doesn't hit the ground. Her knee hits the ground. Her foot is bent completely backwards in a U-shape. She mm-hmm. kind of, like, hopples around on three legs, and she got up on the counter... And I was watching her, and she was, like, kind of walking around, like, I got up here, but I don't know how I'm going to get down. She does that all the time. <laughs> Climbing is not hard for her, but landing is, you know? I was giving her a few minutes, and just as soon as I went to get up, she, of course, jumped down. And now she's oh. looking at me like, ha, ha, ha. What's her name? She's a little butthead, huh? What's her name? Oh, Awen. <laughs> oh, my, that's such a nice Sorry, name. Sorry, that was perfect. What's her name, butthead? <laughs> I thought it was somebody who named her cat... It was spelled D-A-M-E-T. The logic was, well, you call it and it's not going to come anyway. (laughs) Nice. So, come here, damn it. She's one of my nine cats. I have nine right now. Nice. Turn into the cat lady. I know. I'm getting rid of them. Thank God. They are now seven and a half weeks old, and we're finding them homes. If you live in the Kansas, Missouri, Nebraska, Illinois, Oklahoma area, you want a cat. (laughs) I have cats that I am throwing away. Not really throwing away. I wouldn't oh, kill a God. cat. That, thank you for taking the pressure off me for implying that Melinda is targeting Emily. 
My land mass erupts with kittens. I have I nine. I a nice, quiet little podcast. Now we're killing animals. You can have any this... of the following. Cheeky, Ebony, Eowyn, Chester, Zoe, Chloe, Ray. Zoe and Chloe? Ray, Winona, and... Oh, I'm forgetting one. Coda. That's Morris. a funny name for a cat. Eowyn is the coolest of all those names. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's Lord of the Rings. Eowyn is like the shield maiden. Uh, She's like, a shield maiden. Oh, no man can kill you, huh? Yeah, what? she marries Faramir. That's my favorite pairing in Lord of the Rings, by the way. I'm kind of a crazy shipper. Harry, Jenny, Dr. Rose, Eowyn, Faramir. And I was so That's mad that. in the movie when they completely left out the Houses of Healing. Even yeah. I know. That's the best part of that has, like, oh, They just left Faramir and Eowyn. They just like, what do they have? They have that look at the end. That's it. One thing that startled me about the fic that I was not expecting at all was when Ron killed Malfoy. <laughs> Crying. It's the only Crying. character Mike really likes in the in the story besides Snape. Well, no, yep. it's like when you read fics, sometimes you can tell that authors maybe don't like particular characters. Like you, like I could tell when we covered uh, Coven of Echoes. HMZ. I think I even asked her this in the interview, and I think she said that was not the case. But like Hermione had two lines in the whole fic, and some <laughs> authors don't like writing Hagrid because they cannot, for the life of them, figure out how to spell anything he says. So he's like a laryngitis through the whole thing, and he's just nodding. You, you can tell that, and I don't know if it was a case of she just... I don't really think it was a case that she just didn't like writing for Malfoy, but I thought it was really interesting how she wrote Ron and how she writes his reaction to... I'm not going to say murdering Malfoy. You know, it was entirely you know a self-defense thing, but he kills Malfoy. He kills someone. It may have been the person he liked least on the planet, but that really gets to him, and that matters. It matters to us that it mattered to Ron, and I think that's what I want to read. I want to read that he may have killed his own worst enemy, but it changes him. It's like the Miles O'Brien thing from Star Trek. You know, if you never killed anything in your life, and then you like it matters. And that's why when you read the canon and you see Harry imperioing people left and right and crucioing people for swearing at Professor McGonagall or spitting in her face, it just yeah, it's like you would think that it would really. I heard a theory once that. Rowling was, like, trying to deal with the fact that Harry should have been, like, borderline sociopathic after being raised by the Dursleys by just having him not react to things quite as emotionally as people would. I don't know whether I put a lot of stock in that, but it was advanced. Yeah, but seven years later, let's think about it. I mean, year five, he's pressed the entire time. His godfather dies, he trashes Dumbledore's office and says he's getting past it and then he's looking at the you know the positive attributes of Sirius's life and then he's crucioing people left and right. The theory I've heard is that the reason Harry acts like he does in book five is because he's being influenced by Voldemort and it's the close connection. That seems logical. And that's what's making him act so on Harry-like. So book six... That's Harry back to normal. You know, once his mind's not being affected anymore. No. I think that Voldemort was responsible for a lot of what happened in Five. The pressure Voldemort was putting on Harry. I think, yes, the fact that Voldemort was trying to get into Harry's head and it was painful for him. Everything that comes across with that was difficult. I think the stress of Umbridge made it difficult. I mean, to anyone who's had a really bad day and, and crap keeps piling up, you're going to start snapping at people. I don't think it was just Harry's a great person. You know, it was like invasion of the body snatchers. 
or anything. I mean, I think that Harry was justified to be as pissed as he was. And I agree with Chi. I thought it was one of my favorite books. I liked Caps Lock Harry. <laughs> I thought that was necessary. I think the fact that the next year he's like Zen Harry was a little, <laughs> you know, I'm like, okay, now you're starting to scare me. I mean, th- that was a little. Felix Felix, this is the stupidest plot device in the entire world. That's all. Hey, 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 hey. I'm What's not saying Slughorn is stupid. I'm just saying the whole idea of the potion that makes Harry a Gary Stew for one chapter is ridiculous. The Felix Felicis? There are moments <laughs> in the Harry Potter series where I'm like, ugh, J.K. has been on the internet. Stop that. Stop that. Moments in Half Blood Prince as if she's out to deliberately smash every fanfic cliche she possibly can. Unfortunately, the fanfic writers took all the good stuff, so yeah. what we're left with Although is. I will say that I adored, absolutely adored that Draco was balding at the end of Deathly Hallows because it was obviously like a slam on the Draco fangirl like Harry's still young and hot and Draco's pudgy and balding (laughs) and unfortunately does kind of make me think that if he was a real person which I constantly refer to these characters as being real so that yes he probably would unless he took very super care of himself turn out pudgy and balding i mean <laughs> even even the ball the balding bit he wouldn't have much control over the number you have dialed has been changed the new number is i don't know what you're talking about but i think it's interesting to note that at the end of chapter 36 there's an author's note <laughs> one night i went out and had a bit too much to drink oh god no Did you see yes. chapter 36 <laughs> I just dribbled juice down myself. Can I just say this? I have to say this. I've done many things in this podcast. I've convinced the world that Jen got impregnated on a yacht. I've convinced the world that Tina is a lush, and now I am destroying the credibility of Melinda Leo. I feel like the Bush administration. I apologize. Please. I thought Jen did get impregnated on a yacht. What? Apparently, you're right, tipsy. This is a tip for everyone from Melinda Leo. When you write tipsy, the, the writing comes out really well. You just have to check your verbs. <laughs> Afterwards, I think she's endorsing drinking and oh, writing. But the thing is, Melinda Leo is such a talented author, as is Lady Chi, as is Anne Walsh, as is P.S. Mike hasn't written anything, as is Keza, who doesn't know what I'm talking about because I'm not on topic right now. You read it, and it's absolutely seamless. I am suggesting that Lori, the author of, of Paradigm of Uncertainty, isn't able to hold her liquor because we all remember the scene from POU where Harry is sitting in the common room and all of a sudden James Potter is, is sitting in the chair next to him who's dead by the way and Harry's like I was raised by the elves and I graduated 10,000 years ago and Ron comes through carrying a large potted plant and like a traffic cone in his head I have always wanted to write a dream but I can never come up with any stupid enough to work Watch a Star Trek episode from the seventh season. I'll give you. Hey, now discovering Lily is all about dreams that are not stupid, that are kind of. But anyway, yeah, writing dreams is not as hard as you would think. Really, is there any dreams in the fic that we are covering tonight? Is this the one where he dreams about the Weasleys getting killed on a picnic table, or is that one of the other HG fics? I don't don't recall recall. the picnic table, but I only read it once. There's one where he has a dream that the Weasleys are being killed on a picnic table. The phrase picnic table sounds really weird after you say it about ten times. (laughs) Picnic table, picnic table, picnic table. Ah. (laughs) 
Molly gives everyone in the house. She gives Creature, and she gives Mrs. Black, and she gives, you know, all the dead elves. She gives them all their Christmas tree ornaments, and they hang them on the on the Christmas tree, and then Harry has the dream. You know what it is? Because I've listened to the chapters. Oh, no yeah, he dreams. I, I it's, He dreams about smashing ornaments. But no, it is. I like the fact that we don't see the dream. I like the fact that he wakes up and he's panting. He's just, he's, <laughs> he just wakes up like that and he's all, you can picture he's in the quiet room and Ron is snoring and, you know, you can hear like the painting snoring or whatever. And he's like, oh my God, because that's every night for him. And she even specifically mentioned his scar wasn't hurting. It had nothing to do with Voldemort. He was just scared that, that would be taken away from him. And it's this high he experiences with the Weasleys and, and, and with that special moment. And then just the complete low he feels a few moments later. And, you know, he's like, this could all be taken away like that. And I, I love the Pauline. He goes for a walk, and then Ginny's having a similar nightmare. She's having a nightmare about Tom, and it's not because Voldemort's back, and it's all not because someone's in her head or, you know, Horcrux or anything. It's just based on the fact that she is still has scars from the chamber, which is a good thing, because in the canon, not so much. <laughs> like, Ginny's like, yay, I've been <laughs> possessed by Tom Riddle for a year, but I'm so happy. And I'm like, what? So I, I thought that was... That was good, too. And they just sleep in the same bed together. And I was waiting for the scene where they wake what? up and Harry... Turns- when? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Sorry. I, I'm sorry. Oh, Brian. oh, God, what? You were yeah. 16. Could you sleep in a bed with a girl you liked and just, like, that's it? I'm sure Harry was um, having an erection. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure he was having <laughs> Not an anything erection. awkward happening? Uh, Mike, I, have you well, ever slept I, I, in a bed with a girl? <laughs> There's no legal obligation to answer that question, my friend. Uh, was Hermione that? in the room, or did Ginny and Hermione have separate bedrooms? They seem to have separate bedrooms. They came Listen, in and they, she was at her pet. Oh, you're right. I read that whole scene with them whispering because Hermione was in the other bed. Oh, in the scene. That would be a oh. nasty shock for Hermione. That'd be like Mike's entire junior year of college. But, um... <laughs> Freshman. Oh, God. Um... Could I sleep in a bed? Well, I'm sure. Well, I'm sure after you've both been like emotionally distraught, you're probably not in the mood. But then she was kissing his jawline. Um, I think she I was think in the mood. You read that wrong. I didn't. I will I'm say sorry. This. I just think it's very realistic for I, a guy. Seriously, seriously. Well, Harry's not I'm your 16. ordinary guy. When I was 16, so. I did sleep with my boyfriend at the time, and nothing happened. Take that uh, pie in the face. Uh, I've shut down. <laughs> well, if you look at Melinda's reaction to Dan Radcliffe losing his virginity at 16, she's not going to let 16-year-old Harry do anything. Well, if you look at him... going to wait until he's 17. Has to wait until he's 17. <laughs> of course. Where Harry's dress robes are gray, the color gray. These robes were fabulous. <laughs> so I had to go back and read that bit a couple more times. I was like, oh, right. Ginny said they weren't allowed to be green anymore, so now they're gray. Great Does job. Does mean that Ginny is slash Why too? couldn't they be green? I didn't quite get that. Well, because his, his old robes were green, so his new robes had to be anything but green. Can I tell the story of how I had to dress Mike for a social function? <laughs> sure. Yes. Go for it. Should be fun. You didn't physically do it, though, did you? No, 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 no. I think, all right, well. I ship P.S. Mike, all right. He, he like says Melindalia. that he's going to a banquet, and they said to dress nice. So I said, okay, what are you planning on wearing? And he says, does that mean I can't wear jeans? Yes. Okay, so then I, I, I finally, I have him going through his entire wardrobe, like every, 
every article of clothing he owns. And here's what he owns. He only owns golf shirts in various colors. He owns a <laughs> pair of jeans and a pair of khakis. I own more than one pair of jeans. I own like six pairs of jeans. <laughs> right, but she makes you tell I have two pairs of pants. Remember Mike um, asking me, he had a pair of khaki pants and he needed to decide which shirt he was going to wear. And like... Both of them were like horrifying to me. I was like, Don't "Oh yeah, you I know." That's what it was. It was like I was like, "What shirts do you have that could possibly be acceptable for something nice?" Because I'm like, "Okay, you're not wearing the jeans; you're wearing the khakis." And they were all like these horribly. No, 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 no. Here's what it was. There was a pair of khakis and a pair of green pants. So he's only for some reason his only options. I had him down to the green pants and the green pants only, but he didn't own a shirt that went with the green pants. I'm still back on green pants. Green khaki pants, like olive green. That's not helping. Can I just point out something here? Because I have to feel like this podcast hit a brick wall like 10 minutes ago. Mike has sent me a message over Skype saying, hold on, wait. You made up the Jen on the boat thing? I believe that. I've realized in this podcast that Ryan just lies to me nonstop, and I accept (laughs) that. There's something else earlier in this, but like he's just lying to me. I take his word on it. Well, oh, yeah, my, my Hold on. I didn't really like Harry Ginny either. That was a joke too. What? <laughs> Kez is very disappointed. Keza was not pleased. Did you hear that? She's like, I got Gen Two on here. No, no, no. Why would I joke about something like that? I really do. <laughs> I, I was just trying to see if it would make me cry. Keza, no. Of course, Keza, I love I feel them. like Keza is the designated driver of this podcast. Yeah, Ryan, you're just lying to me. So what? Oh, stop it. <laughs> oh, I, I thought yeah, she was on a boat. I from a lie anyway. That, that hurts, Keza. <laughs> that hurts. So, you thought Jen got pregnant me. on a boat? That's what they were telling me. You included. No one got pregnant yes. on a boat. Your theory is on the Yule Ball because Melinda puts a Yule Ball in this fic. Mm-hmm. Now, they never had one before. And they didn't have one in Order of the Phoenix. But a lot of people like to use the Yule Ball to get Harry and Ginny together. Well, the Yule Ball is linked to the Triwizard Tournament, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So would they have one at any other time? Because no, people, no, they wouldn't. Because I said- find that frustrating sometimes in fix. Like like I said, I'm Melinda Leo's biggest fan, like except for Ryan, who like loves her more. Watch that Melinda is I do love her more than Keza does I actually get sometimes like I'll do the bit of the eye rolling thing I'll be like huh they've used that device and I think things can get overused and I'm just wondering if in the second half of this fic that things were just a little bit overused because she got Harry and Ginny together at the ball and Harry bought Ginny robes and she bought chose him some robes and then, you know, just I think in a lot of respects, one of the few things about that that was original was Ron's reaction because most people have Ron, like, punching Harry out. But by the same token, I'm thinking, well, is it okay to just use these same... Um, I mean, you have different degrees of the same. I mean, like, you're going to yeah. write a cliche and you... I mean, this fic made me ship Harry Jenny. I really... I hadn't read any that weren't for the podcast so i didn't like <laughs> know that this was a cliche so i mean i think cliches are okay i mean if because yeah. the people that complain about them are the people that well. have read 10 kajillion million thousand stories 
And if you have read 10 million kajillion thousand stories and you have no right to complain about things being overused. It's how well you present it because a good author can make what would otherwise be a very overused idea. They can find the freshness in it and make you see it as if it were new again. As somebody who writes canon all the time when I write Harry Potter, which (laughs) never happens anymore, but when I was writing Harry Potter... Just consider discovering Lily abandoned people. <coughs> um, like you, <laughs> bad, bad person. I hate. She wasn't going there, I, folks. She wasn't going I there. Keep, I keep telling Jen too. I finish it, but I'm. I'll finish it, but I'm a dirty, horrible liar. When you're writing um, canon, you can't avoid the cliche because you know certain things have, have to happen. happen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Is Voldemort suddenly going to win? I have read a few fics where Voldemort won, but they're usually like. Snape, Hermione, rape stories and stuff like that that kind of scar you to death. I read one once where Voldemort won and Harry and everyone, they were living in hiding and they're like, you know, seven years later, they're still trying to, you know, they're living in hiding and they, they got oh a breakthrough God. or something where they, I had read to, one, they got a chance to throw him over, finally. I read one, this was like, um, there was like a, a meme going around on LiveJournal where you search your name, like on fanfiction.net and see if there's any stories that like have original characters with your name. And my name was Ginny's fake identity because they were on the run so Voldemort had won and they kind of like all dispersed and Ginny was on the run Ginny was hiding she made up a, a fake identity and she became a world famous fashion designer in her fake identity which was Plaid <laughs> no it was my real name you it fool. was her real name her name isn't actually Plaid Slytherin so, I mean so I'm, th- I'm sitting there and I'm like Smart move, Jenny. You become famous when you're trying to hide <laughs> from the dark lord that rules the world. She's in the witness protection program, and she's on Pufwa. I mean, I, yeah, I will. I will. I will. I will reiterate something I said about my own characters. Doesn't mean they're smart. It's, it's Voldemort one story, and I think it's abandoned now. Much like discovering Lily is apparently abandoned. But anyway, what <laughs> happens some is, Harry's, I don't know where Harry is, I can't remember, it's been a while since I've read it, but they all disperse and go into hiding because Voldemort's minions have sort of taken over the wizarding world. And um, I think that Ginny believes that Harry, Ron and Hermione are dead and most of the other Weasleys are dead. And Harry, Ron and Hermione were like in the middle of Mongolia or something and they didn't realise all this happened. And Ginny has gone on the run with Neville Longbottom and they are posing as a married couple and they've dyed their hair and whatever and, you know, they're very happy and nice and whatever with each other and they have their little muggle life. And then she sees Ron in a pub because that trio have come back to England and they're like, what is going on? And is this? And, and then the story sort of got abandoned before you find out much of what happens. But I think the idea is that the trio have finally come back back from outer Mongolia and they're going to now overthrow Voldemort with Ginny and, and Neville's help eventually, but I don't think it ever got finished. So it does happen. I'm wondering that what the hell they were doing in Mongolia. Okay. They're looking for Horcruxes, I think. There are stories where they didn't actually kill Voldemort off, but it, what it usually is, it's like, you know, 10 or something years in the future and Harry finally makes it back to England or comes back from the dead or whatever and, and he gets it. But see, I think in the end, he's going to overthrow Voldemort in the end, so I mean, that's not really avoiding the cliche. Yeah. Where Voldemort realises what Harry's doing. And he makes, like, a thousand horcruxes and attaches them to, like, broken bottles and, like, scatters them everywhere. I gave Mike that idea. That would be if Voldemort had the brain stem. He would have done that. And he would have won. Hey. Well, I think but it's pretty clear that the process of making horcruxes kind of destroys it makes you. you very unstable. Yeah, I don't think of... you could make a thousand. I think it, I mean, no. he could mer- barely he's, make he's seven. He's on the edge with seven. The one, the one that Harry has 
is an accident. He didn't mean to make that one. It flew off him when he, you know. Mm-hmm. Right, because he was so unstable for making six. Yeah, that is the one he never intended which, to make. Which, by the way, Who numerologically speaking, he probably should have just went with six, because six is, like, a bad number. Seven associated with, like, good things. Six but Voldemort thought it was a good thing. Voldemort should think more. Like, okay, if, okay, if I'm... <laughs> Seriously, oh God, if I'm setting out to rule the world and I'm going to be this dark lord with, like, no real plan of how I'm going to rule the world once I rule it, because what did he do? He set up, like, I would think that he would be, like, anarchy, but no, he sets up a ministry of magic and, like, rules the government. <laughs> <laughs> he does. Anyway, there were TPS reports involved. I know. It, there was, like, a filing system. I was like, what are you doing? You're supposed to be a Thank dark... You. And, like, the Death Eaters are searching the burrow, and they can't find Ron, and they leave, and they don't, like, kill all the Weasleys. They're like, thank you, come again, pay your taxes, and they're like, what the hell I can't believe he got rid of Harry with magic. I mean, do you think it would have worked if he'd, like, chopped him with an axe? <laughs> I don't know. You would think, it would have okay, been very I'm, scary I'm for the eight-year-old who was reading it with his mouth. <laughs> I start to take over Hello, the world. Hello, Nick Neville lops off the head of a snake with a sword. That's just like if you... Oh, <laughs> just, I would have armed oh. some people with Uzis. That's just me. The evil plot finally kicks in, and all of you are my minions. Just so you know, when you capture my arch nemesis, you have to make sure that he's dead. And, like... By making sure that he's dead, I mean that I'm going to make sure that he's dead, not some random Death Eater that I don't trust anyway. Bring you his head. When if Voldemort sends Narcissa to check on Harry, and Harry and Narcissa have a short conversation, and then Narcissa comes back and says, yeah, he did. Like, the conversation didn't yeah. throw it. But you know what I would have done? I would have chopped his head off. And if he comes oh, back, stop it. Stop. That's gruesome. No, no, I would have done it. See... When the baby, when Harry was a baby, Voldemort should have shot him. Oh, it's just like a bloodbath in here today. Okay, can I just point out when I said I wanted to have a nice, quiet little bug. Now we're having infant side and we're chop-lobbing heads off. But back to my point about the the horcruxes. Okay, if you know that you're a horcruxes in the script. <laughs> okay, but seriously, we can go back to the big after why, why, why do I talk seriously. about Horcruxes in my notes? Okay, for serious, if I know that I'm like a badass and I'm practicing dark magic, I'm not going to pick a number that's associated with like creation. I'm going to pick a number that's associated with destruction and the apocalypse. If you consider that Voldemort was trying to create his utopian world, oh, then. Well, no, he was. If you look at it I that way, he, I don't think from Voldemort's point of view, he was trying to make the world a better place and make it all wonderful and happy and I don't nice. Think so and I think better. he's a megalomaniac with no plan. Obviously, <laughs> I hate to say this, but the Munchies side. Well, the, the the plot point which I thought was ridiculous was when Voldemort ran for a second term. I'm running for re-election, and I'm gonna win. I'm like, what? This episode demonstrates why we're gonna do five episodes on Melinda Leo instead of just four. Like, it feels that we're Somebody some say something about Voldemort over. running for a second term. That would be Brian. Does Voldemort have a secret plan to fight inflation? Excuse me while I pound my head on my desk. Voldemort throws the goblins and takes the banks. What does that do to the monetary system? Can, then oh, yes, up. there's there's 
drastic inflation. There's a twenty-nine. There's an. Voldemort is trying to fight stagflation. He's testifying before like Parliament. I'm just gonna do for the. I'm sorry. The OC doesn't testify before Parliament. <laughs> we can talk about the OC. I can't see Voldemort stepping in and buying. Oh crap! What's the, of the, what's the name of the What's the name of the wizardy bait? Gringotts. I thought you were Never gonna say AIG. <laughs> I would never know because no one's discussing that. That was the point I was making, P.S. Voldemort might be slightly more competent than George W. Bush. (laughs) (laughs) It's when, picture the Wizarding World, Gringotts made all these risky loans to all these people who can't afford them, and then they cut to the Weasleys outside the borough, which is being repossessed. This is not funny. I'm sure people that are there. Okay, we should get back to the fic. People who are listening who just lost their homes as we're laughing. Oh, my God. I know. <laughs> their iPod is being repossessed. <laughs> yeah, how are you listening if you're on <laughs> If you are losing your home and you still have an iPod, your priorities need slight readjusting. Oh, please, That's I would saying. lose my home before I lost my iPod. <laughs> I don't have an iPod. No, neither do I. Yeah, I never go to the music thing. I would like to know, given the advent of the OC in Chapter 29 of the fic that we are covering tonight by Melinda Leo, Mr. Jonathan Taylor happens to be teaching Harry about stuff. Do you think this stuff is irrelevant stuff that Harry should learn? And should he have learned it in canon? Discuss. You make it sound like he's giving him the talk. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I brought this back to sex. We wanted to know who gave him the talk. Maybe it was his dueling instructor. I don't know. <laughs> I really... Well, I will say this. This is a plot device that I detest. I think it's Melinda Leo. Everybody has done this, but if you put a sword in his hand, if you make him into some jujitsu black belt master, if you... Send him to Asia to train with elves. sensei or elves or whatever. I have Monks. to fight really Monks. hard not to hit the back button because that... You know what I find difficult me. about this? I find it difficult that they bring in this guy and he trains Harry and things appear to be going well. However, he gets captured by the Death Eaters and cannot use the training to escape. Oops. If you train him, then why not then use that training and have him do a few like roundhouse kicks and stuff and maybe actually escape before you torture him? And just I just thought that it's like she forgot she trained him in martial arts. Possibly. He does use the martial arts at the borough, but that was before that. The one thing about his name, I I remember thinking the first time, Mr. Jonathan Taylor. It's a very simple name. Like, we're used to, like, you know, Mathilda Hopkirk. So Jonathan this- Taylor, I'm like... I thought he was with... I thought for a second he was Narcissa's uh, husband. Does anybody else have to fight this... Um, does anybody else have to fight this urge to every time you see Mr. Jonathan Taylor add Thomas to the end of it? <laughs> yes! I was yes, that's that. I was just thinking that. That's why! That, it's like the guy from Home Improvement is, is the dude. Yes. Like, well, no, it was a screamed was red like- shirt from Star Trek. I'm like, I read it. I'm like, Jonathan, you're going to die. You're expendable. <laughs> Oh, he was so pretty. So every time I see, like, every time I read Mr. Jonathan Taylor Thomas, in parentheses, <laughs> I see Jonathan Taylor Thomas and Dan Radcliffe practicing with swords. But, like, when Jonathan Taylor Thomas is, like, at the peak of his hotness. And so I can't really concentrate on what happened. I mean, who that is? Sorry, I know the name. Do you realize Jonathan Taylor Thomas is gay? I don't <laughs> care. 
So is Neil Patrick Harris, and it doesn't make him any harder yeah. to look at. Hold on, do I think Taylor Thomas is gay? I miss that. I miss the Dan Radcliffe thing. Well, I don't read. I, I don't. I, Ryan, I, I did don't you catch that. that Neil Patrick Harris came out of the closet by any chance? I may have. I just didn't care. Well, no, why? Well, no, I won't go there. But no, <laughs> I, I actually missed that one too. But can I, I say one thing? Was your nickname in, was your nickname in middle school Doogie though? Yes, it was. People thought I looked like Doogie Hauser. I have a website for you also go to at the conclusion of this podcast. Can I just say one thing though? The thing about Jonathan, which I really respected, was Jonathan had a very strong work ethic. As he's dueling moments from death, he is still giving Harry inspirational pointers. And I remember this from reading it two years ago, so I hope some of that actually happened in this fic by Melinda Leo. But I, I just remember thinking, that I just like the way that was written. Just like he's still talking to Harry as he's dueling, as he's about to die. Like, I just thought that was... I like And another note on chapter 29 that I have noticed. P.S. Please explain again where it is that you became a Harry Ginny shipper. Okay, it is the part where they have kind of been having an argument yes. about Harry, like, protecting her by not being with her. And Indeed. they kiss in the middle okay, of Okay, my fellow Buffonians, this is the chapter that turned P.S., just letting Yay. you know, chapter 29. You make it sound as though P.S. was a gay man and then, like, had an awakening <laughs> and realized that... Have you ever seen that, have you ever seen that um, clip that I've shown people of um, this comedian, this talk show that we have here called Rove, where he has Daniel Radcliffe on? Oh, my, what he do- my God, like have Jonathan you seen- Taylor Thomas, I just got that. I'm sorry. I'm so, I'm sorry. I'm so behind. <laughs> I'm so behind. I just went to look at chapter 29 because that's the thing that can- I realized it's Jonathan Taylor. I forgot. I knew his name was Jonathan and I knew his name was Taylor. And I then I came back from the bathroom and you guys were talking about Jonathan Taylor Thomas. And I wondered why. And now I know. <laughs> <laughs> but this guy, Rove, he talks to guests and then he has a segment at the end. It's called 20 bucks in 20 seconds. And you can awesome. win as the guest 20 bucks in 20 seconds if you answer questions the way that Rove likes it. So the funnier, the sillier your answer, the better. And the last question is always, who would you turn gay for? <laughs> so that's what it's reminding me of. It's like, P.S., what would make you turn? It's chapter 29 is the answer. You get your 20 bucks. <laughs> By the way, right, I'm on Jonathan Taylor Thomas's Wikipedia page right now, and it does not say he's gay on here. I could be wrong. Urban myth. You know what? We it should go. He denies you- reports. In we should go around and answer that last question, though, that Rove always asks, who you, who would you turn gay for? I think that would be a fun discussion point. <laughs> who would I get turned gay for? Um, I'm going to answer your question, um, even though it wasn't asked. I don't know. I'll get back to you. Keza, what was your original question about Mr. Jonathan Taylor? You know, he trained Harry in martial arts and... And she said she loathes and d- detests when Harry is trained in martial arts. And I said, I found it curious that he couldn't use the martial arts to get away from the Death Eaters at the end. Instead, Melinda, you know, crucified him and tortured him and broke Ron's hand and put a dementor in with Harry and really hurt him really badly. So she forgot She forgot that she trained him in martial arts and just beat him up. Well, no, it was, too. It was Melinda <laughs> beefed Harry up so much with Ginny and showed all of the positive impacts that Ginny had in Harry's life and then said, Harry's really different now. You want to see how much? So she threw him in with a dementor for like a month and a half. I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay. I'm like, don't you think that's a little cruel? Mike, the question is, who would you turn gay for? I'll give it some thought. How's that? I'll get back. Might to my answer with Scarlett Johansson. a woman who's worth it? Of course, I haven't met a guy who's worth it yet either. I'm probably not the best person to ask. Well, see, <laughs> okay, up until yeah. this week, 
the answer to my que- that question is um, Nicole Kidman. And I've said that on PNCast before. This is not a new piece of information. The answer to that question, who would you turn gay for, is Nicole Kidman. <laughs> but really? this week, th- she's not gay, so that's problematic for us. So this week, I have, I've made a new friend at uni this, this past couple of weeks who just happens to be gay, and she is really cool, so I think it would be her. Oh, now. there you go. Yeah. It could it could work between us if I was gay, like, but I'm not. And she's married, so it wouldn't really work. She went to Canada to get married. Mike, if you don't Mike, answer in the next ten, 10 seconds, yeah. the answer will be Horace Slughorn. <laughs> That's evil. Why is it, where's Ryan answering in this? That's what I want to know. Are you Ryan? I'm thinking. Right. Give me a list of people, and I'll tell you on a scale. Like I'll tell you if any Tom of them Cruise. will turn me gay. Tom Cruise. Tom, oh God, no! He's the most annoying person on the face of the planet. David Tennant. Don't I wouldn't, know enough about I wouldn't them. stay straight for David Val Tennant. Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer. No, no. Daniel Radcliffe. Daniel Radcliffe reminds me of a 32-year-old stockbroker who's had too much coffee. Picky, picky, picky. Captain Kirk. Really? I hate that. Okay, Ryan, I have to admit, pot, kettle? You always hate what you do. <laughs> Patrick Stewart. He's the closest you've come so far, but probably Corey, no. Corey. Yeah, he's the only one. Was that a so yes to Corey? Uh, Corey, yes, the actor, no. Does that make sense? Who the hell is Corey? Yeah, that's what I said. Because after character. the conclusion of tonight's podcast, I'm going to set you up with some fan films, all right? Yes! Lady C, who would you turn gay for? I'm always prepared for people asking me this question, and I have a list of three. Um, Lens is like, what happened to my poor podcast? Probably, okay, I've said on the podcast that I would do Meg, and I probably would. Um, I've said on my live journal that I would turn gay for Billy Piper, and that's very true. And, oh, yeah, um, that's true for me, too. It's the lips, for some reason. It's oh, like, yeah. I know, it's they're the, like... It's everything. I would kill to have her butt. <laughs> Who are we talking about? Billy Piper, Who? Rose. Speaking of Rose, Kate that's Winslet. Right. I would... I would... <gasps> Kate, yeah, Kate Winslet. Winslet. Yeah, And um, also Catherine Tate. Catherine Tate, Billy Piper, and um, Meg. I am just trying to figure out where we went off the rails. <laughs> where do we always go off the rails? Welcome back to Podific Weekly. This is Ryan. This is not gay. Listen, shh. Ready? Harry was right. stunned by her words. He wasn't even sure how it happened. One minute they were standing opposite each other, screaming, and the next he had her grabbed her upper yeah, arms her and pulled her close to kiss her, her passionately. Kiss her passionately. She, she responded in kind, and the air was the charged, air charged with electricity as he clung to her fiercely, as she did to him. Chapter 29, The Power of Emotion. All the other things we have discussed in this podcast pale in significance to that moment, because that is the moment that changed P.S.'s life forever. Yay! That is the power of fan fiction, people. That is the power. No, you know what it is? <laughs> it is the power <laughs> of emotion. Which is the fic that we pretended to cover. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Command decision. We're going to do five weeks on POE <laughs> instead of the original four. Next week, listen to this, everybody. Next week, which is like seven days from now, we're going to go back and we're going to discuss... POE itself before we move on to Cursed. And in that podcast, we're actually going to mention plot points that happen <laughs> in the fic. Fun. And we're going to tell you what we think of them. 
and then we're going to move on to other plot points and tell you what we think of them. Dynamic. <laughs> what a strange idea, Ryan. And at no point in next week's podcast will you hear the phrase, if I were a farm animal, which one would I be? A cow. No, well, you cannot answer. I'm, I'm, I'm such a chicken. A cow is the best one because they kill the chickens and they kill the. Oh, cake. stop it! You are in a killing mood tonight. You right. be quiet. My, my, I am the kind of cow that cow? gives milk, not meat. Hold on. Didn't P.S. want to shoot a kid earlier and we're yelling at Mike now? Mike, Mike, have you ever met a cow? A cow no. would not kill a chicken. Seriously. I've never have seen a cow. <laughs> All right. Have a good night, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. So hold on to the wonder that those books brought to our lives. Keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good night.